0: This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by
1: I'm in a temple. I asked the monk the meaning of life. He just winks at me and says, Let me drive that Navigator and I'll tell you. The all-new Lincoln
0: Navigator. And by
1: Monster Burger! Come in today and try the all-new Monstrosity Burger. Two all-white meat chicken breasts, ham spirals, Alaskan cod filet, three all-beef burger patties, and a pork chop with white cheddar, white American, and feta, all on a Kaiser roll. The only full family meal for one on a bun. Now try it with bacon. Get a monstrosity burger, a fry sack, and a large drum of gullet blaster, all for only $5.99 at Monster Burger.
0: Welcome to episode 79 of Road Soda. I'm Isaiah Cooper. On this episode, you can hire strangers to wear your face.
2: And what's so funny about war and poverty? And I'm Greg McGinnis. We're going to talk about Mexico City being up in arms and introduce you to the hardest working... Mexico City is up in arms and we're going to introduce you to the hardest working woman in show business. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> no. I'm going to leave that in. So I don't know uh, why that was so hard to say.
0: Yeah. We have, like uh, you just said, the hardest but, but, but working woman in show business. We have Amanda Hurley. Is uh, We have an interview with Amanda Hurley on the show. You may have remembered she was on a couple episodes of Road Soda before. It was called Road
2: Soda quite some time ago. It, Greg did the math. How What was it like? She was on episode 14 and episode 25, and this episode, this interview was 100 times better than either of those. Oh, of course. You're going to love it. How
0: many actual years ago? Didn't you say it was
2: like. Yeah, it was three years ago. Jesus. It was the last one.
0: Did you hear that? Three years ago. So, uh, but yeah, she's on this episode, and that's pretty exciting. I think it was a really fun interview.
2: Three years ago, this show was just 1.3 guys, and now we're up to two plus. Two guys. Plus. Listening out there and enjoying. Listening so out there. Zing. I didn't expect him to go that way. I love it. That's
0: right. And uh so thank you for cracking another one, guys. Here it is. Seventy-eight. What do we got?
2: Greg. We got seventy-nine, baby. Seventy nine <laughs> dude, that's the third time I've done seventy-nine. <laughs> I am gonna bring you back to April fifteenth, two thousand seven. Episode two of the final half of the sixth and final season of the Sopranos. Named Stage Five. You wow. watched The Sopranos
0: all the way up through season six. All the way up through season six,
2: which was, was the th- final season. They, think they I... broke it in half. They did six, like thirteen ups part one, 13-ups part two. Oh, okay. You didn't watch the final episode, dude. I watched through don't season five. Don't stop believing. Is that like a? Is that a? Is they that made like a, a huge cliffhanger deal. for for. No, they just made a huge deal about that song. I don't get like, the reference. That song was the final. That's what they played as the show was ending, like the final. Oh, episode. but I didn't watch it. Yeah, well, how the fuck do you watch 71 episodes?
0: I watched all the way through episode, of, through season five, and then going into season, I can't remember what. I think I might have like went to go hike the. It was right after the Appalachian Trail, and it was before. And then before riding my bike, doing that thing, I was watching it with a friend. But I got through season five, and then I left to go
2: ride my bike. You know, like and binge I just, watched, catched, caught up like a whole bunch. Yeah, said.
0: me and me and a uh, friend of mine just like what We caught us
2: And then no, no,
0: no, this was like in two thousand fourteen, man. Uh, uh, that that show's been off the air since like two thousand nine or something. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Two thousand eight. This is like a few 2007. years ago. Yeah, this is like a few years ago. Like, I watched up to season five, but then I had to leave. Oh. I left, and so I didn't catch... And then since then, because once you leave a story like that, for yeah. so it's so fucking much, it's just so
2: daunting to come... And I know when I come back to it, I'm going to want to watch them all. It just hasn't been It, is, it is. I totally agree with you there. It's very daunting. Like, when they fuck up in a movie, and they cast two guys in important roles that kind of look alike, mm-hmm. and then you're like, is is that the fucking guy that did the thing? Or is that the other guy? i like, I don't. And then, if they don't do a good job of constantly having the guy burst in and go, "Hi, I'm Jim," not the guy that attacked. I'm not the lady. that guy that you're thinking of. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> you're like, "Is that the guy? What the fuck?" But uh, yeah, The Sopranos is kind of convoluted. So but that's the only reason it has. It's a very legitimate reason for me not. Yeah. And now you'll finish. just never do it unless you start over again. I'm, I'm sure I will. There's a lot of time left. It would be a that's triumph right. of the human spirit if you were able to just start from scratch. It would be with season one. We would put your your we would make you a monument. For anyone that does remember, maybe some people do remember it a little better, because I didn't either. Uh, the episode is called Stage Five because in the episode a very memorable character. Don't spoil it for me. Johnny Sack <laughs> is diagnosed with cancer too late. Ah. Stage four. Actually his cancer happened way before and they are updating him and in that episode right. the doctor tells him it's stage four and he goes, I'm guessing there's no stage five. But a bing whoa yeah and then uh how about this another show this one i don't even know if you ever watched we'll see i'll see march thirteenth, 2008 seventh episode of season four this episode this show went on for another 50 episodes lost lost
0: no i didn't Never Never watched, watched lost one. no but you remember that um that comic i made you read why the last man yes he wrote a lot of that he wrote a number of episodes, and there's actually an episode where somebody is sitting in an airport, reading one of the, reading an issue of that of Why the Last Man. But it's like in uh, Spanish because they're supposed to be in like Argentina or something. Oh, really? Yeah, they're sitting in an airport, and like the camera pans by, and they have it like in their hand. That's okay. what they're reading. That's yeah. cool. Yeah,
2: I wonder if that's something I knew because I did watch. So my wife and I started watching it like I want to say like season four or five. Someone lent me season one, and it was one of these annoying things. Like, you haven't watched Lost, you got to watch Lost. And I was like, like, I'm not fucking watching. I don't give a shit. It's a network show. It's going to be stupid. Mm -hmm. Gave me the DVD. We started watching. I was like, oh, my wife is kind of into this, so I can... It's not like her watching TV versus me watching TV. We came together on it. It was the first show that I really think we both got into. And then we just totally gobbled up the first five seasons, because that was back with Netflix by mail. Dude, I remember... Like, on a day, she'd be like... My days, we used to have to order the Netflix uh, to come to the, the mailbox. mailbox. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's how old it is. But we'd get the lost DVDs. That was our whole queue. And we were pretty psyched. And we caught up live somewhere around, like, season 8 or 9 or something. There was 120-some-odd episodes. This episode, again, for the people that might be like, which episode was it? Uh, it was called gyeon And I remember it, actually. There were two Korean characters in the show, a guy and girlfriend, they were like attached, but it took a long time for it to be uh, kind of played out exactly what the relationship was. In this episode, the this, this show was all about flashback and flash forward, uh, so you could never tell. Like, like is train that something spotting, already happened. Yeah, <laughs> was fucking throwing train spotting. <laughs> you can never tell if something happened. In this one, they did. They were masterful because they're both involving a pregnancy. She's about to have a baby, and the guy is rushing to the hospital for a baby. He goes and buys a teddy bear, and he's having all these. Challenges getting to the hospital, and then when you finally get to the some the the conclusion, turns out it's a
0: dinosaur.
2: It's a different baby. Oh He's shit. going. He's like rich, and his dad is like an attaché. to... Da, da da. And he's going to like pay respects to some rich dude's baby while his baby is being born, and he's not mm-hmm. even there. Okay. Uh, it was an interesting story, but that's how they did it. Like they had this big ensemble cast, and they would do an episode on someone's backstory. A lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then of course there was shit. Happening how do you on usually that. feel about
0: ensemble? I uh, not ensemble shows, but uh, shows where they have to give you the backstory of a character. I mean, shit, they always give you the backstory. Apparently. I know, but how do you feel about that? Oftentimes, when I get to if an issue of well. something, and when I get to an episode of something where I realize it's going to be a backstory show of like a character, ninety percent of the time I'm like,
2: ugh. But you fuck. know what? You know what? And I don't know if you wouldn't if you didn't like Lost, then you wouldn't like Lost. But I. Uh, but huh? Interesting statement, comma. But. Most of the show, you were looking for answers. Like they did a really good job of yeah. making this shit happen. They really couldn't close the deal at the end because they they really the, dug themselves into a hole. Yeah, but really, you know what yeah. though? I'll tell you what. I was totally on for the on board for the first like five scenes because they did a really cool job of building this different suspense. And you at the end of the day, you're like, what the fuck?
0: You and probably
2: this? half of like the planet. Yeah. And you know what's funny love is like they,
0: they really pinned themselves into a corner. Uh, and and it's like. I, that Which just kind of connected the dot again with the Brian K. Vaughn thing. It was a huge aspect of him writing that. He made a statement at one point saying that he knew the final issue before he even started. Which is like almost coming out of this thing where you know they didn't know the final. They didn't know the final ending to Lost and then try to like build a bridge to it. What they did is they were just building a bridge out into the middle of fucking nowhere. They got to nowhere
2: and they realized there was nothing there. They're like, fuck! I, I, the I, left now. I sometimes in a big case like this will give people a pass because the guy think about how difficult it is to like come up with a cool fantastical story and then make it go anywhere but then to have it finish at a certain time and then to have it finish with okay we like this one however Dorito said they want six more apps, and we need two new Korean people. And in we it. need to paint that Dorito blue. Can you imagine the fucking insanity of a writers' room when there's billions of dollars coming in? You didn't think this thing was gonna be watched by that? This show, by the way, it's funny. I did this. The Sopranos was fucking huge, like you said. Everybody was talking about it. Was on. They got about nine, ten million viewers per mm-hmm. app. Lost was fucking, like, 13, 14. Million. Those are numbers Let's that it was on. What's HBO is, like,
0: really exclusive, whereas, like, ABC, I think, had Lost. Or NBC, whatever it was. It was one of them. A little, little more like, in- inclusive than HBO. Yeah, I've but, never had HBO in my whole life.
2: Yeah, but there's not a lot of places, though. There's not a lot of shows that are pulling those types of numbers. Oh, for
0: sure, for sure. Outside of, like, the NFL. And 14 then that's
2: million it. people. So, when they have to end this story, even if someone in the writers' room went, I got it. This is the best thing. They go, that's awesome. Pepsi loved it. Doritos said no. And Toyota was really angry. So this is what you got to do. Bam. And it's like a fucking game of Twister. And you're never going to fucking mm-hmm. win. You got to touch your foot to the green circle and it just fucking, It seems you know. like a nightmare.
0: It just seemed like every day was a fucking nightmare of like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are you going to do?
0: Oh, my God. Look <laughs> at this paycheck what I is got. This?
2: I got no time to cash this. for yeah. 750000 And I haven't gotten one since last week. I got three ex-wives. What the f- Give me some time to spend my goddamn money. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. That was the episode of Lost. And I got two quick more. Uh... I stop it a lot. I look around. Life is happening. It's all there. I look in the rear view. Can't believe this thing has that much room at this gas mileage. The all-new Lincoln Navigator. Episode of Criminal. It's a podcast. We talked about it one time. I thought you might like this one because episode 79 for Criminal was November 17, 2017. It was called Secrets and Seances. And I believe we talked about this lady. Uh, her name was Helen Duncan. She was a medium from the 40s in Britain. No, no, I've never... She has been shown to be debunked like as a total fucking fraud like mm-hmm. over and over. But then she came out and said... Well, yeah, whenever they catch me with stuff, I only have to do it because I, do, I can't always draw the power to talk to the dead. Like, she would eat this. Oh, uh, you
0: che- got an answer for anything,
2: huh? She bitch? would eat this Laceous. cheesecloth and then wait until the lights went down and things happened. And she would kind of chew it up and then she could spit it out in a way that would make it look like it was like this ectoplasm a ghost? floating around. <laughs> I know cheese- how to make a mouth ghost. The cheesecloth <laughs> was so thin, it kind of seemed like this stuff was coming out of her. So she could just sh- spit cheesecloth on is me? You- is that is that cheesecloth? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Uh, and But one thing that they don't know is, during World War II, information was not like it is now, where fucking everything's being live-tweeted. And she knew about a battleship that sank, not a battle, a, a British ship that sank, like so close to real time that they fucking started investigating her ass. Now oh, she worked like, for the fucking Soviets. You could tell. She probably had like a cousin or something, you know, and, and people weren't thinking that she no, knew. No, my spitball goes to, ooh, it told me. It is pretty cool. That's the only thing about it that I really wanted to know more. When I listened to it, I was like, yeah, there's a fucking million idiotic fraud fucking medium things. Yeah. Uh, another one that uh, this also I thought was interesting, episode 79 of My Favorite Murder. That's fairly big true pri- true crime podcast. Karen Kilgareth and the other lady's name is escaping me. But it's it's a pretty big one. It gets a lot of views. Uh, their 70, 79th episode came out July 27th, 2017. And you ready for this? They had two parts to it. The first one, we know, it was the Georgia Collar Bomb Heist. Oh, wow. Georgia? That's what she put. Georgia Wasn't that where it was?
0: No, it was in Pennsylvania, dude. It was Erie, Pennsylvania. Like, right up there in the corner. This shit happened more than once. All right, so I gotta I gotta
2: listen to it now because I thought that no. they, they were talking about our guy nah, from man. that fucking show.
0: We got we got copycats out here. It's collar
2: There's collar bombs are all the rage. Collar bomb heist. It's literally called the Georgia collar bomb heist. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the
0: same thing. It wasn't in Georgia. I'm putting a note in that. We definitely gotta put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. that. Yes. Well, thank you. I think that is uh that will sound interesting. I'm really excited to see what comes out of that because um, if you guys don't remember obviously for if you don't even have to li- watch the show it's just from um what's it called the it was a Nef- to, netflix documentary the Murderer, to
2: um evil genius nice pull dude you never fail i never yeah, fail we to don't even trap mind
0: yeah we don't even stop and i don't even look at my phone i totally just think of it on the spot evil genius i just comes to me bam
2: money When I think Lincoln, I get behind the wheel, and I look in the rear view. I'm ready for John Wilkes Booth to take his best shot. The all-new Lincoln Navigator.
0: Hey, Greg, did you see this shit in the news? I don't know if you did, but it was eight persons, including three members of one family, have been arrested in connection with an alleged $8 million a year gambling operation centered in Bergen. You know where Bergen is? New Jersey?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Acting Bergen County prosecutor, uh, let's see, among the arrested was Lewis, 45, and gambling at, uh, let's see, prosecutor's book, yeah, yeah, prosecutor said that Edelman, who is charged with bookmaking and maintaining a gambling resort, did not take bets directly, but had them funneled to a home of his daughter, Barbara Edelman. Wait, mom?
2: Oh, that's right, that's... (laughs) <laughs> That's your mother's maiden name, Barbara Edelman.
0: Oh, this is actually my mom. So this is an article. My mom just found this. This is this uh was an article in the Bergen newspaper, which she got arrested when she was uh twenty one. So it says, yeah. Her dad was a bookie? <laughs> well, technically she was. She was arrested for conspiracy and bookmaking.
3: No and shit.
0: uh yeah, so my my grandfather was uh
2: Obviously, in this gambling ring. This is the guy that uh, married Playmate of the Year '69. Yes, he was in this. No way, you have (laughs) two super colorful (laughs) grandfathers. He
0: was in this gambling ring and uh, had my mom and her brother both um, working, doing that kind of stuff. He they was like at their house, and my mom was like a young single mom, and it had it gave her a job that she could do just at home. She didn't have to go anywhere, so she got to. Be with her kid all day and answer phones. And, she, and there was like a phone that she had that she had to answer at certain times of the day. If the phone was ringing, it was people placing bets until they broke it up. <laughs>
2: Sweet. Did she actually she didn't have to actually go to jail.
0: Uh, no, she yeah she went to jail and then she they were bailed out like the next day. But, I don't know,
2: but like she didn't like have to go to like prison or whatever.
0: No, I think because my grandfather like her dad somehow took all of the everything. And they were just, because of that, they, like, kind of, I don't know, I don't know exactly the circumstances. I never really asked. But um, she didn't, no, she didn't actually have to go to jail. But, yeah, she just looked it up on, she, like, became a member of the Bergen County, like, uh, newspaper newspaper library or whatever. Historical Society. Yeah, and, like, went back and found it just a few days ago. And I was like, "Ah, nice. That's funny. So, yeah. Welcome to Dark Web MD, medical knowledge your doctor won't tell you about. One time I was delivering pizza to a house, and the next thing I knew, I woke up sewed anus to mouth with my three friends. Luckily, I was at the front and didn't have to eat poop, and was also able to comfortably access Dark Web MD to find out more about my symptoms. Dark Web MD gives complete access to archives of information to help with everything from at-home tumor removal to the actual value of an arm and a leg. Sick of losing to your tennis partner? Send them polio. That's right, Dark Web MD won't only help identify ailments, we will sell them to you. Dark Web MD, where you go when they say there's no cure.
2: I got um I got a story that's a little bit more topical than that. The Oscars just went off last week, right? Did you watch the Oscars? I did not. I'm not surprised that you did not. <laughs> uh, and I'm not a huge Oscar guy either, but my wife, will, if she's into it, I end up watching it by default. And so, and, and I was okay with it this year because I hadn't seen any of the movies, uh, but I got an article here from the Washington Post that says, no, the movie Roma isn't as good as you have heard. It's even better. Huh. I thought it was kind of uh, interesting for the show because we had had a conversation last Oscar season about how that movie... Mud something. It was an all-black cast movie that was a Netflix original that was up for awards and didn't get the Best Picture um, award that it was supposed to. And I said I didn't think Netflix was going to get much love from the Oscars because Netflix is yeah. kind of saying stay at home, don't think go to the movie. We were
0: even debating on whether or not they were allowed, right? They were even allowed in the movie, in, in the
2: Oscars. Well... Right, but what happens is they release released these big ones at the movies for like a day or a week or whatever. Just to get in there. Just to, just to make it official that it was a movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie, Roma, did really well. It was nominated for a handful. The guy, Alfonso Cuaron, won the best director. They also got, I want to say, the best cinematography and maybe also like the best score because it's a sweeping art house movie uh, that brings you to the 1970s of Mexico City and it puts the backdrop of this uh, bourgeois Mexico City family. Roma is in a neighborhood in, in Mexico City. And it's like about the rich family that they're wealthy enough that they've got like house servants. Mm-hmm. And they kind of con- compare and contrast the life of the family with the life of this one lady that's like their maid. And then also the, the comparison and contrast between them and the outer situation happening in Mexico City. And I guess in the 70s, it was like a big revolution. And it seems like it could be a pretty good movie. I'm kind of interested in it. So, uh, not to spoil... sounds like you already saw it. Not to spoil, I have not seen it yet. Uh, but I feel like I'm going to. So that's a little foreshadowing uh, for maybe later. Yeah, in you get the to time.
0: watch whatever you want, Greg. I don't know. Yeah, you, you can. It's his America. It's not 1970s Mexico. You can watch wherever you want. Nice. Did you <laughs> did you see that? Uh, kind of this. I like this because it was so reminiscent from, it's like it came right out of the ma- Maniac thing. You remember, like, the Friendster, and uh the, the, the was that what, no, Friendster was like a Facebook thing. I'm talking about the, it was this ad sponsor. Ad buddy. Ad buddy, and yeah. then the friend, like, oh, your, oh, like the yeah. fake friend one too, right? <laughs> yeah, like you can adopt a friend. and Adopt country. a friend. Well, this is a real thing. You can get, like, a human Uber, and what they do is they have a helmet, and they put, like, an iPad on it, on this on this helmet in the front that just is a FaceTime of you and then they'll go to events. You can hire these people to like go to events so you don't have to leave. This guy just puts on a helmet with your face. That's awesome. And he just walks, he just goes to a party and now you just have to FaceTime from your house. From the toilet if you want. And you don't have to go at all. And he can just go and you can stand there that and chick, just shake it. Go, go over
2: there, go over there, go over to the side of that chick.
0: Grab her. Hey Yeah baby,
2: honk
3: honk. Dude <laughs>
0: I would really. This seems like. I don't think this is in America, and this was this was a Vice article. I'm gonna say it's from another country, but that if if that came out, it would
2: be very quickly. Somebody would be having this guy walk around and just nobody say wants horrific to get crotch things. sand anymore. Right. So now you go to Burning Man, it's just 900 avatars with an iPad just standing there watching. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. Right
2: after, I mean, we did Maniac like two weeks ago, but dude, that's this is this is real life that's fucked up. Yeah. That's fucked up. Actually, one of my favorite books is a book called Infinite Jess. I know we talked to you about it before, but and it was written in like in the mid-90s and he goes over this thing where he says phone calls are going to become more and more clear, then you're going to go to like, you know, HD audio, then you're going to get the video component. That's going to be in your head. Well, then video, he said then video phones are going to be a big deal, and then people are going to start really dressing up and not want to look like scumbags for their super high quality FaceTime type thing. This is mm-hmm. like in the mid nineties he said this. Then people are gonna go to like a mask and so you'd be like, oh, I gotta answer the phone and go to like a mask because you don't wanna like put your especially for women, you don't wanna put your whole right. face on. So you put a mask on, he says, Then you're gonna have these people doing masks and then at some point the mask like arms race is gonna get out of hand and then you're just gonna have avatars. Right. And then it's just gonna be video fa- video fawny, whatever you call it, between two avatars, like defeating the whole fucking right. point of it. And that's kind of happened because who uses FaceTime other than if there's like someone you haven't talked to in a long time. That and they right already have the mask. He's so stupid, he got it so wrong. It's filters.
0: <laughs> They're filters, not masks. What a dumb idiot. He thought they would put real fucking masks on. No, no,
2: it's all on the computer. It's Dude, just, he had so many it, things like it that. It maps that out
0: your facial structure, and it follows your face
2: purpose, perfect, perfectly. He's so stupid. It's he, he honestly was was right on with so many different things. I That's one of my favorite things about that book. Was that he movie. right on about...
0: How you like to take it up the butt? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I do not know if I wanted to say it because it was just so so childish. That was <laughs> all right.
2: What is the um, I got a news article right here that's that is apt, apt is also childish. Uh huh. Boys basketball, Caribou, main team wins first title in 50 years in double OT. The Vikings edge Cape Elizabeth for the class B state championship. 49 to 47. and it's This is the was,
0: first time in 50 years is what you said? Yeah,
2: right? I'm surprised actually they ever won it because Caribou is a city... <laughs> I'm surprised they did it all. It's a pl- <laughs> Yeah, because it's a little tiny place way the hell up there in Maine where there's nothing. Had they get
0: anybody that could shoot hoops up there? Because I'm, I'm not going to say anything, but it is very far north in Maine. It is. Very and far north. And not, that's not... Uh, good for any basketball Even team. Even, <laughs> like, it's probably a
2: regional high school for, like, 20 miles around, and they probably barely have enough kids. I bet you the team only had, like, 10 kids on it. Mm-hmm. And Susan Collins, senator, U.S. Senator Susan Collins, at the game. She's the main senator, so she's from Caribou, so she went to it. But I thought it was pretty cool to see. I like to see the team that just, a little tiny team, and, you know, the other team, the Cape Elizabeth, had a kid that was nine. mm Wow, in fucking high school. What are they doing up there? No shit. That's a lot of growth hormone. That's a that's a lot of kid. Six <laughs> nine Jesus Christ. In high school. Jesus Maine, Christ. by the way. We're not talking about like where you would think really high class. It's like on the same
0: from. longitudinal line as like Siberia, Russia, though. So I'm not like totally confused by it.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Like they're dumping waste somewhere near there. It's just the kids are fucking huge. Jesus Christ, six nine. <laughs>
0: Are you sick and tired of your wife nagging you? Be sick no more. With new Russian wife you won't understand what she's saying. Here today in Russia we have a surplus and we offer high quality wife for you. Very obedient. Women in Russia practically want to be beat. Log on and select from our wide variety of tall blonde Russian wives. And within 7 days you could be enjoying hot borscht in your spotless home. Go to www.russianwifesurplus.com
1: today. A popco brand. Millennial book club. Millennial book club.
0: Welcome! It is the Millennial Book Club segment with Larry Charles, Dangerous World
2: of Comedy. How did you like it, Greg? Uh, It was interesting, you know, very docu feel. uh, Obviously, like just watching the previews or like just knowing what you're getting into is like, how the fuck are you gonna get any comedy out of this, you know? But of course, they're making a series, so you're gonna find some people who are. I'm doing the bunny ears comedians, because I mm-hmm. didn't see any fucking comedians in any of these places. I saw people that were almost fucking murdered every single day, and anything is better than that. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean comedians? I mean, all
0: those people were. There was a lot of
2: people standing on stage telling jokes. I, I saw a couple. To be fair, of all the people that he brought in there, there were very few actual what you would expect when you see a comedian. You know, there was a guy that did a an act out on the street where he pretended like he was like a a soldier that had PTSD, maybe? Yeah. Half naked and starving? Pretended. No, it, no, it he was, was. It was hilarious. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Pretending. I was on the floor laughing so hard at that. But he's what you'd call a non-traditional comedian doing a street thing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, non-traditional, is, he explained it in, in, in the show that there's... These people don't even know what comedy, stand-up comedy is, because it's a very American thing that we invented. So these... Countries don't even know what stand-up comedy is. like, in, He was talking about how in Iraq, it was a thing that was confusing to them. Why would you stand up and tell jokes on stage? Jokes are things to hurt people. Why would you get up on stage and say things to hurt people? So they had to first just learn
2: what jokes were at all. So I think that's like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mean, sure part of it was lost on us as Americans because we have like ideas about what, what comedy is and the rest of the world... Is almost ready to be murdered at any moment. So they're like, "What? Anything when I'm not getting shot at or raped is comedy." Yeah, just anything. And then Larry Charles went out there and said, "Are you a comedian?" They said, "Yes, I did not die today." Hold on, I have joke. I did not die yesterday either. I don't know. It was really depressing for me to watch. It was. It was really hard. It made you uh, a lot of.
0: Uh, made you feel very grateful, to not. Be in a war where people are fucking wearing wigs and have names, and you don't know whether to like. That was the most bizarre. Is this a. Is this a. Like. An avant garde, like. Outdoor
2: public act?
0: Or are we like. Are you guys really running around with shotguns and machetes and like murdering people? That honestly
2: made me think of Clockwork Orange. Have you seen a Clockwork Orange? Yeah, and and even if I didn't. uh, (laughs) You maybe would Well, I'm just saying like the extra level of terror Mm -hmm. would like the the costume-type situation that those guys had going on, would these guys come up with these names like uh, General Butt Naked? Mm-hmm. That is... It's it's one thing to get murdered by a warlord. Oh, he didn't come up with that name. Okay. They just started calling him He
0: seemed him pretty cool with it, though. Oh, he was cool with it. Because he knew it was up. When he performed his rituals, he uh, did them all naked, and then there was a photo of him that got onto the news, and everyone didn't have a name for him, so they just had to... Just to reference him, they called him General Butt Naked. There was General Osama, uh, there was um, a couple of different ones that just had like these wigs and these personas, these like leaders
2: uh, of these guerrilla fighters in Libya. I mean, I guess if you shoot a bunch of dudes with an M sixteen and you can gather the force behind you, you can fucking call yourself whatever you want. Call whatever, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I eat. Uh, so, Christ. what does human flesh taste like? Oh my god, that was so uh, like up. pork. Like like a pork, you have to cook some of it because it's very strong. Cook like pork. Good to know. Uh, up front,
0: we should have just been a real up front. And we're gonna spoil whatever this is. So Larry Char, Larry Charles, Dangerous World of Comedy. Larry Charles was the director of Borat and Bruno, and he was writer on uh, Seinfeld, and uh, so he's a really prominent. He knows what the fucks up with comedy. I mean, Dude, that's those are some we serious
2: just, credits. Those
0: are some serious. Obviously. That's some serious dick length if you're talk, if you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. But um, <clears throat> and so when it comes to him like understanding comedy, he explains at the uh, you know when the show first starts, the idea of the show is I wanted to know like what are people doing to laugh in horrible horrible places. So he made a list of all the t- worst places. Where you could possibly be doing comedy, and just as uh, just as a quick aside, when um, so a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are like friends of ours and close people, so they know a lot of this kind of stuff. But when I went to um, New York City and I was doing comedy there, I had this dream of doing a show that was um, like. Anthony Bourdain, but instead of food like every fucking travel show is, it should be comedy. Because like because comedy just as Larry Charles is like you learn about what somebody's laughing about in a place. He says this on the show. You learn about what somebody's laughing about in a place. You learn about their their past, their present, their f- future in depth because it's the truth of a culture. It's what comedy is. It's like what these people are laughing about is a very real thing. Um but yeah, dude, I even I never launched the Kickstarter, but I started creating the Kickstarter Because it's an extensive process if you want to kickstart it to actually work, but uh, and then obviously you had to have like a huge network in order to release it into. And I just there wasn't enough of it fleshed out. But I started building it. I was like setting up interviews with people at like the embassies in New York City to like go and talk to them about like what is comedy in Argentina. Like I think that was one of the people I was able to reach out to. Um, But it never really went anywhere. And then of course the whole Vine thing happened. And, uh, so when the vine thing got to its peak and its largest thing, and this is kind of where, um, a lot of even my closer friends, like I don't, don't know necessarily about this kind of aspect, but, um, when it got to its larger part, a a production company came to me and had me sign a, um,
2: what's it called? A, uh. Non-disclosure.
0: It was yeah, not a non-disclosure because it it was it was a contract. It was a talent contract, which means I couldn't work with anybody else but them. And then during that time, we tried to develop and pitch a show, and this was the show that I wanted. I said this this is the fucking show that I want to do. Is it's got I want it to be a comedy show where you um, trap where we're traveling from country to country and learn instead of experiencing the food and the cuisine, which could be an aspect. It's more of like the comedy scene. Like, what like are these people idea. laughing about, right? Yeah. And um, I pitched this show to them. Like, I didn't pitch a show to them. They were discussing with me what they think what sh- they think should be done. And I, I told them that's what it should be. And their idea was, ah, let's do a show where you're a millennial. Well, the thing is, I'm a millennial, right? Technically, I'm a millennial. I'm on like the, the front end of millennials, I'm, like, right on the cusp. But I am a millennial, and but she... Are you saying you're an
2: old... You're one of the granddad millennials?
0: I'm the first millennial, if you <laughs> I am the first. I'm the original. You guys don't even know what all that is.
2: I had a dream. Kennedy's motorcade is all Navigators. Lee Harvey has him in his socks. Then he notices the beauty of the Lincoln Navigator. Kennedy is still president today. I wake up happy. The all new Lincoln Navigator.
0: Vintage. So, what happened? Yeah, vintage. I'm a vintage millennial. <laughs> so, but so they're, they this production company, which it's really weird how this production company works. They just develop shows and then they hire production comp- companies. So, they wanted to develop a show that was taking, I, would take millennials away from their like life in society with like a phone and bring them out into the woods, and that was the
2: thing. Which so it's pretty much the same thing you were talking about. What the fuck? How does it get to that? That's like- well, well,
0: no, it's it's how it get? What do you mean? I don't, so because for the Vine thing, the Vine thing got popular because I was out in the woods like hiking and doing all that kind of stuff. That's what made it popular. And their idea was like these. Millennials are fucking just so attached to their phones. Let's let's make like a reality kind of MTV-ish show where you take these millennials and pull them away from their Instagram and bring them out into the woods. And I was like, that is shit. That's a shit idea and I don't think that's a good show and I don't think that's shit. I mean, I don't think under. on
2: face you could say it's a shit idea. Maybe. I did. I well, you said it, you can, but I mean, I don't know that it's... Well, so here's... That could the, be interesting. Well, so let, so how, totally unrelated to what you were doing. So I I totally was like, where is well, that? Well, I mean,
0: going? it relates more than my plan and this idea that I had from before that really had nothing to do with... I mean, that has something. I was a millennial out in the woods, and uh, a lot of my viewer base is my age and like millennials. So I mean, there's... That made more sense than what I was doing, but what I... Or what my idea was for a show. And so I expressed... I told them I was like, I really, I didn't say, oh, this is dog shit. I just said to them, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a great show. But they, what they did was they took everything and they, they took all of my footage of things that I had done and they cut it up and they went to these pitch meetings to pitch this idea. And the production company that they got was the production company because they're not even a, they're a development company. They're not even a production company. So they hire a production company and they hired the guys that do like Alaska Gold Diggers or something. And there was this time when I was on the phone with... I think it's called actually the Real Housewives
2: of Alaska. I'm sorry. sorry. You're right.
0: Real Housewives of Alaska, yes. And so I was on the phone with like the production guy, like the guy that ran that production team, and these other people and talking to them. And just remember thinking, like I'm trying to push my idea and everyone's sounding... But at the same time, listening to their... Listening to, to just this idea was so dog shit I just hated it and then and now here we are in a world this is like three or four years later we're here in a world where where is your bring millennials out into the wood show is it on TV no is it on Netflix is it on Hulu no it doesn't exist because it's shit but where is the show of where we go into other countries and we experience what other people are laughing about oh it was our millennial book club segment
2: I so badly want to call them and be like where's your fucking show you can do that you should Oh, my God. No, so I, I've been waiting for you to circle back around to that because your idea sounds like a good idea. That would be really entertaining to actually go see, like, what is the comedy scene? Is it stand-up? Is it whatever? What's going on in Argentina? But I think it's it's based on... Like, if you, this thing went to Iraq and fucking Somalia. Places yeah. where they're war-torn right the fuck now. Mm-hmm. So there's not, like, a development team trying to develop new shows in Iraq. They're just, like, behind a building and trying to fucking not cry all the time right so, so it he, would be interesting to i think to see countries that are in it like to go to iraq in the 70s maybe and see what their comedy scene was right. like what were they doing there or like in argentina or any of the so countries. the
0: difference between the show that i'm talking about and dave date in and in, in larry charles is the difference between anthony bourdain no reservations and anthony bourdain uh on what was it the the one he did for cnn that's the only difference. It's like my show is the same as his show, but his show is going to horrific places. And oh,
2: did Anthony Bourdain do a show like that?
0: Yeah, Anthony Bourdain did no reservations for Travel Channel, and then was that the regular show where he just went everywhere? It was a trap. It was a, yeah, it was his travel show. And but then, he did it, what but then he when he went to CNN and he cranked it up and he started going to Iraq and he started going to just like Detroit, like really <laughs> Iraq and Detroit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he starts going to take like take that Detroit, take that. But he just started going to much more dire because he had the CNN pass instead of the Travel Channel pass, and that was like what he wanted to show
2: this the deeper, darker side of these locations and whatnot. I mean, and that's what is our guide saying? You say no, that's a DMZ. No, no, we have to get there. They have the best fucking lobster bisque you will ever have. Go, Tommy, get me through there. You know, if I was with CNN, they would have got me through there the
0: the the extent that he went through just to get lobster bisque, but yeah, I mean that's it is it's this idea his he just cranked it to the Larry Charles went boom 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 and cranked it and jumped just leapt right over the travel show where you are experiencing a culture through their comedy instead of experiencing like oh hey, let me try your your cuisine oh noodles in Vietnam again like it's Every fucking travel show was, you see was
2: uh, Tommy Chong one of his guests? Is that what? I in <laughs> hey, he hey, the, the Same noodles, man. Uh, so well, for me, the show you're pitching sounds like a fucking great show. This particular show for me, I, I wanted to see something to be like, wow, there really is something happening on the other side of these walls. What I saw was really depressing, war torn places. I mean, I was waiting for someone to fucking be make a joke or be. Did you see that one part? Nothing comical
0: in the whole thing. When they're so they're in, uh, I believe they like just got to Somalia and they're, they're driving in the car with, or maybe it was Libya. No, no, it was Libya. They're in, they're in Libya, and there's the stand-up comedian, and like he was actually did like stand-up comedy, and they're driving in the car, and he's doing an interview. He's the one that told him about how uh, his sister got stabbed. Yes. And they're driving, and he's doing, and you, and you see out the window behind him in the car, someone's being chokeholded up against the car, up against a car, getting like pummeled, and I, they, I did not notice and that. the car didn't stop. Nobody turned their head and looked. Nothing. It was a guy with another guy's neck in his hand over the hood of a car, and like screaming, and nobody even fucking flinched. And I was like, holy. Shit, that is real. That is some real fucking Listen to right these there, guys'
2: right? stories. They, a lot of them were like, you know, we were all shaked up the, the day that, you know, the Shecky Green of Iraq was murdered. But we knew he was going to be <laughs> murdered. Becky They put out a proclamation and said, we will murder anyone who talks about... Oh, and he went out and did it. And it was a great punchline. And he was murdered within an hour. Within an hour. He was walking out. And, and like, then it's like, and the guy's sitting there like a big mixing board. He's like, all this equipment, I don't fucking do anything with it. Someone... The lights fuck around here... That was the other thing, too, that was funny, is the lights keep going out. On all these places, and nobody yeah. even stops. No one stutters. It's like, you know, it was just depressing on so many levels. How yeah. about the two female comedians from Somalia? And again, I'm using bunny ears. They're Somalians. They were talking for like 10 minutes. I years. believe that was Libya, because that was where
0: General Buck Naked was,
2: because I was in there talking about Oh, that was, oh,
0: that was the General, Libya? That was Libya, man. Okay, now
2: i I watched this in the late afternoon yesterday. May have been some in and out. That's a nice afternoon Live delight. Afternoon delight. <laughs> I thought that was Somalia. Okay, all right. No. So it was, it was Libya. Libya because they were that was General But Naked who did that shit. It and definitely General was, Buck naked the, was yeah, That's right because they were talking about. So he says, so are you a comedian? They're like, yeah, we're a comedian. And I'm like, okay, let's see. And then they pr- pr- proceeded to talk about unbelievable tragedy. And he was at some point he was just kept trying to say something like, Can you, do you know what a punchline is? Like, are there any jokes? Where and she was like, oh, I have a funny story for you. Uh, we're waiting in line, and they're betting to see if a pregnant woman had a boy that's or not, a girl. That's not how it came about, dude. He asked you, "How do you feel about General Butt Naked?" I know, but I'm just saying. Everything he tried <laughs> to, <not> every time <laughs> he tried to bring You're comedy it in, you me sound
0: like they they don't know what comedy is, and they're totally thinking that that's a funny thing. I'm not saying they don't know what comedy was, but there was they didn't think what you were about to say was a funny thing, and that's how you built it
2: up. That's all I'm saying. What you are about to say, what they I was didn't trying was to do funny. was embellish a little bit for comedy's sake, but. uh what happened was they were cutting open pregnant women to see if it was a boy or a girl because they had bets on it because they had bets on it. And these people didn't these two ladies didn't think that was funny. They weren't confusing that with comedy. I'm not saying they thought that was funny, but I'm saying can you tell me something funny and like 10 minutes it went by where it was all tragedy and then it ended up with that. Well it's,
0: well, it's cuz they went back to talking about General Buck Naked so it cut back to their interview where he asked them about General Buck Naked. Liberia Culture. Jungle. Beaches. Entertainment. Retreat to Liberia.
2: Surprise the family with a trip to Liberia. You can see ancient ruins anywhere, but if you want to see brand new ruins, there's nothing like the streets of Monrovia the kids want excitement, sign them up for the child soldier for a day excursion where they can live out a day fighting to the top of the pack with their own Kalishnikov. Now there's a souvenir they're going to want to show their friends. And while the kids are away, enjoy a walk on the historic
0: beach where recently cabinet members were executed by firing squad. Experience the Lost Boys avant-garde theater troupe that performs in the abandoned cemetery amphitheater. Their improv skit show will make the story of the Civil War come
2: alive. The best part is, all performances are donation only. Liberia! The electricity may be intermittent, but the excitement is non-stop.
0: A lot of these people, they asked, so what do you do for, what did you, what makes you laugh? And they go, when you were like growing up, what was funny? And then those girls were like, ah, oh, we dance. I dance, I was a lot of dancing. Which was hilarious.
2: And then, yeah. Which was hilarious that they did like a two second, like, you know, I'm on fire, electric boogaloo fucking thing. That was the closest they came to any comedy, I felt.
0: And then, like, or they were like in that fucking horrific prison for the ISIS people. And they're like, what do you guys, what's funny to you guys? And they both just sat there.
2: He's like, what's. Dead silence. He's (laughs) like, what's funny? Oh, we, uh, the, I believe it was, um,. It was in Iraq, right? When they got to see the, before they got to see, the, talk to the ISIS prisoner. They had to talk to the, to the, talk the guy, to like
0: the, the warden, the general. Yeah. The, yeah, and they're
2: like, so. Is anything funny around here?" What I'm sure, I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy. Stuff. He goes, well, you know, one time we were taking a man to kill him, and he he was wearing a dress. That was comical. And then they go to his minister guy, and he was like, dude." He found like nothing funny about anything. <laughs> that ever. guy's never laughed at anything in his
0: life. <laughs> Just the most. If you had to draw a picture of the most
2: angry stoic human on the face of the planet look really similar to that guy the one thing that i think i wish i could have gotten a little more detail on that did seem like it might have been funny was the was like mawala bawala yeah or whatever it was it was like a kind of like a gorilla i kind of took it as like an in living color gorilla style shot on like no budget in somalia in somalia no, that was libya no. That was Libya. All the Libyans. Liberia. Liberia. You're saying Libya. It was Liberia. Yes. Liberia. Now I Holy Liberia. shit. I've been saying Libya this whole time. It was Liberia. Like, Did they go to Libya? Because there were a couple times where they were. Yeah. It's Liberia. Wow. Uh, and. I'm embarrassed about that. That seemed to me like. That could have been really funny. Because they were doing like sketch type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like super topical. Probably wouldn't mean it. It probably wouldn't be funny to anyone outside of fucking Liberia, you know? So that was the one thing that I wanted to see more of. But I you know, they showed us a few clips and I just didn't quite get it, you know? I mean, yeah, you, get, you get some of it when they're doing, like, playing on, like, man and female gender roles or whatever, but it's just... It was... It was
0: just Imagine making... It's depressing as fuck. Like, you have this horrific, horrific civil war. that after your civil war, you have this um, insane Ebola outbreak. And throughout all that, you're trying to make, like, sketch shows with your friend on your fucking... I just time, feel like he was it's...
2: scraping really hard. Like, if you want, if you don't want to watch the show, but you want to get an idea of what it was, shut your eyes and imagine, like, Ted Koppel is, like, in a war zone. And as they're showing, like, a lady crying because her kid just got killed, he's, like, putting a microphone in people's faces going, what so What do fun. you do for fun around here? <laughs> What's funny?
0: Dude, I, it was so brutal. I wish it was that. That would be really, really fucking, like...
2: It was, like, a degree off of that.
0: Yeah, and so how did you feel, so out of all of that, the part out of the two episodes that made me feel the worst and the most uncomfortable okay out of all of it ready was that piece of shit standing in front of the war vet piss, cemetery piss pig or whatever piss pig yeah
2: dude that, that made you uncomfortable that
0: made me, that was so, yes so you know cuz i just cuz i realized you know how your kids are using that term all the time, and you're like, I don't really know if they, if that's a good thing to say. That guy was a fucking tryhard. That's a tryhard. That cocksucker is a tryhard because
2: you knew. Oh, so it wasn't the the fact that he was in a veteran's uh, uh, graveyard, and anything. he wasn't a fucking veteran. He was
0: just some like That's assigned- wasn't what made me uncomfortable. I just went you were uncomfortable because he was doing such a poor job. No, not not a poor job. He was so 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 he, I he because he's went to war just to like take pictures and do that shit and he like didn't instead of going through like actual basic training and joining the military he just signed up with some like militia trained for a month which what the fuck was your training for a month yeah like what the fuck and then you went and then you went there and did you even fucking like do anything you no, dude you didn't fucking now you're standing in front of like real that's why i can't i don't know who it was was it the camera guys that were like i'm not this guy, they just fucking stopped recording, dude. They're we've like, been, "Fuck this guy." We've
2: been sitting here for about an hour now. Now I'm just now understanding why Isaiah is wearing full army fatigues. I get it. It's like the the, the light bulb has just gone off. Your I... intense patriotism was offended. by Did this they, guy. did my American flag hat <laughs> not? How did you not? I that didn't no, make me uncomfortable. But I agree with you. I was like, this guy is I'm such a dildo. He's a dildo. That's he's get, a fucking. They get thrown out of. He's he's making these stupid comments like these guys are fucking weak ass bitch soldiers because it's not that hard and he's like it's they're not all dead they're standing in front of like one of these World War II great, uh, cemeteries where there's like nothing but little white fucking crosses little, yeah. and he's like and they're fucking homos and they're dead I could take all these guys and it, it's like that's lame but then all this like some veteran dude like my next door neighbor if you heard that type of shit he's right over there what's fucking going on what right. is going on and they were like nothing they're just a pack of homos laying down and we're talking about them or whatever and they were like yeah. alright your fucking asses are out of here and Larry Charles was still trying to make it go. Like, he tries, he like, was like I don't know what the deal is, but he was like, at the same time, all right. He's just trying it. to defend it so he can get
0: fucking roll. And and the thing is, like, dude, and and the tryhard is this kid was in just like how he went. was. His name it was like piss pig
2: douchebag or something. Yeah, piss, It doesn't it's fucking matter. Name.
0: And and I don't even want to give him the fucking uh, credit of of his name because even even going over there, that whole thing, it's just to fucking like take the pictures on your fucking Facebook, right? And then, I wasn't even sure if had, that was a
2: real thing or not because I guess they said he did go with the militia. I was like, "There's a fucking." He militia. signed up with a mar-
0: militia to go to fucking uh, uh, Syria and and then like walked around in Syria with a fucking AK forty seven. Dude, it's so and 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 he. You know he knew who Larry Charles was going. He, as soon as they called him for an he was like, Larry Charles? Fucking Borat? Fucking Seinfeld? Because they asked him, what was the worst thing he ever seen? Uh, season eight of Seinfeld? Do you think he just happened to say that?
1: Right. No!
0: He fucking knew who Larry Charles... And the whole time he's, like, trying to volley with with Larry Charles, like, maybe he's going to give me a show. Like, dude, that's a try-hard fucking cocksucker. This angers you. Be- yeah, for on multiple levels. On multiple levels. Because Larry Charles put it in the show. Dude, that whole that whole thing could have been cut out. And not everything, the, the integrity of the show would not have been lost. You didn't have to put that in there. You could have just taken that guy out. No, I'm
2: glad you said that because that's going to bring me to a point that I was thinking of. Which is, they did a chunk of this which was... Military-oriented humor, mm-hmm. uh, and there's several of those guys that the are. The like, second one was was the yes. Well, the first one was the survivor's point of view of war, and the second
0: one was the soldier's point of view of war. I
2: didn't really like that one that much. It was like military humor. I, obviously, the guys that had been like disfigured by war going out there—that's actually insane to me, and that that does actually have an effect on me. Like, look at this guy. You know, the guys that are like severely burned. There's more than one of them. The one that was in this one particularly. It was just amazing to me. That that does amaze me. It was like when um, Amanda was talking about the nude fucking stand-up show. Right. Yeah. like It's a whole nother level. Of... It is a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like fucking A. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I was wanted to see more of this Anthony Bourdain, let's go see war-torn areas. But maybe I think after he got the first one out, he was like, I don't know if people are going to sit through this. So let's show soldiers fucking each other or fucking a corpse or joking around because it's much more American- I mean, it's fucking the epitome of American, like, gross-out humor or whatever. When a dude throws his jizz on a, another soldier that's sleeping right. faint I, I don't know. I just didn't... I wasn't a huge But it wasn't out. just American soldiers. I mean, it was, it
0: was Syrian soldiers... Not Syria. It was, like, the Iraqi soldiers and the Liberian soldiers
2: and, like, the ex-kid soldiers and shit like that. Oh, that, was, that was the most... Maybe the most depressing thing at all for me. They went to the... They saw the Liberian soldiers in, like, this old graveyard... <laughs> Yeah. With like, masks on. I don't even know what the fuck the guy's they mask were, was. They were,
0: yeah, they were, ki- they were grown up. Because you see one of these. Oh, yeah, they, they were, masks. like, in 20s. The they were, 20s. Like
2: adults now.
0: But they were, like, all strung out. <laughs> they used to be child soldiers. And now they're doing, like,
2: impromptu shows in an old cemetery. Like, there was, like, ten dudes. And they were all just hanging out for, like, loose change. You could tell the whole time they were talking to Larry Charles. Like, I'll say whatever you want, man. You're going to put, like, you're going to put a five spot. I think, dude, I think he's going to put ten bucks in a can. And I was, like... This is breaking my fucking heart cuz this is all these dudes have for the next 50 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. What the fuck are they going to do?
1: Yeah.
2: That was that was the most heartbreaking and most uncomfortable part for me to watch it was just the level of it was just like a you know what I mean, right on the surface a visceral thing like these guys were like don't you think that's good though?
0: I mean, don't you think that's good for us to see that and for, for people to experience that and for people to Maybe. know that that exists so you know? So when you wake up and you're like, oh, I got to wake up at 7 for work. It's like, fuck you, dude. This kid's living in a... He used to be a child soldier and now he's waking up in a cemetery to put a mask on and try to tell jokes for some jingle change. Like, that's uh, that could be your life. And he yeah. just dodged Ebola. And he unfortunately dodged Ebola. <laughs> like, dude, uh, it's just horrific, man. Where would you put it as far as watching? Or do you think you're gonna finish it? Because the second, because there's four parts, and the fourth one is on race, and the and then the last one is on gender. I don't think I'll probably finish it. Don't think you'll finish it. Would you ever recommend it? Hmm. Very select few. Would you say watch? I, prob- if it's I don't think air? I would.
2: I don't think I would recommend it because I honestly, I'm gonna be totally serious. I did not like the one about the soldiers at all because I just thought it was a lame ass expose on Tom Tran. Who, that also annoyed the shit out of me. He's only got like a minute and a half of film. Tom Tran. Who's Tom Tran? He was the like, Asian military Oh, yeah, comedian. yeah. And they were sitting at like a bake sale. They were sitting at this table, like four guys, and they yeah. only let him talk. And he was like, I got some good punchlines, man. Like, the guy goes to grab the door, and I pull it from him, you know? But then I got shot in the head, and I cry every day about my PTSD. And then they were like all crying. He's like, but have you heard the one about the two Jews and the rabbi? I was like, what the fuck am I watching here? It was like, total manic not fucking what I was looking for at all I it, there's why would I recommend that to someone it didn't it didn't show me anything that I, I don't want to say anything anything is too tough it didn't show me enough to justify the how long were the two episodes like you don't think that's like a piece.
0: good therapy for soldiers who are like blowing their brains out every day no it
2: probably is but I don't know anyone that I would recommend that to and I wasn't all that interested in it <laughs> I mean, what the fuck do you want from me, man? You asked me, I'm would just, I recommend it to someone? I don't know anybody that would be interested in that. And it didn't offer that, like, level of, you know, docu-interest that people, you're like, did you know that if you stacked all the McDonald's hamburgers up, they would be 10, of It didn't have enough of that. How tall? You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it Watch three.
0: Three. three. So, I mean, I think I might just because the second, the third and the fourth finally leave the war shit. So one and two is war. One is the uh, is survivors of the war. Two is soldiers. I think I am gonna finish it because now we're not we're we're in a different genre outside of war. So if
2: it goes in a totally different direction, and you said, hey, number three is worth, it, I might watch it. I don't yeah. know if
0: I'm. I, I mean, it's
2: you your know. idea, by the way. I just want to close on this. Your idea for going around the world and looking at the comedy scene from different countries—that I like. This was too extreme for me. I know it's a great fucking show. He great. just went too far. I think it's, it would be a great fucking show. You hear that shit? It would be a great fucking show. Hey, this is the biggest French stand-up there is. Hold on. We're going to go out in the woods. Bam! Turn on those... It's a camp filled with millennials. Let's bring them out. John France McGard. Son of a bitch! <laughs> Did you... Uh, have you
0: seen this? Just a, a quick aside. Uh, this is not going to be the millennial book club. But have you seen stand-ups from around the world on Netflix? No. So if you go to stand-ups around the world, it's this Netflix show. And it's like hour-long sets... And there's about, uh, there's like 10 seasons because they're not all seasons. It's each, each chunk is a, is a country, right? Mm -hmm. And you can watch like jokes from people in Germany, jokes from people in India. So if I watch
2: the hour on Germany, I'm going to see like It's not an hour. It's, it's,
0: it's a whole season and each one is a different comedian. So it's an hour. Each is like a a comedian's hour set Okay. from like India. So some of them you're reading subtitles. There's uh, France, there's Argent, like down in South America, there are uh, people from,
2: like, South Africa. You is Have it, have you seen them? Yes, I've seen a lot of them. Did you like that? Because the reason I liked your idea is there's subtext behind it. They're like, now listen, this guy's talking a lot about, uh, I don't know, birth control pills. Because this just happened. Right. But, yeah. and then he tells some jokes, and I'm like, oh, that's funny because he's kind of attacking it. Right. If the guy's just telling jokes, I'm going to be going, that's over my head. That's over my head. No, Look there's there's, in a closet. I don't. Care.
0: You learn. I learned more about. So if there was this one girl. I watched one girl who did uh, uh, from India do her set. And I learned more about Indian culture watching her stand up than any time Anthony Bourdain or, or Andrew Zimmerner or and other chucklefuck went to India. I learned more about Indian culture because well, the jokes that she's saying is like real life, true shit that she deals with in India that you're not going to see and that's the exact kind of stuff you would get if you had like a show host a travel show host and you went and you interviewed her and saw some of her stand up but yeah i mean you get it you understand it like she's talking about like open defecation and and how uh like the way that guys are treating girls over there which is just fucking horrific like you're just if they're talking to you or doing anything they're they're it's just to fuck you, and then if you want to fuck you, it's just like a whole thing. Like you, but it is funny. Like you get it, you get the jokes, you understand the jokes, and but at the same time, you're like, holy fuck, it's like that over there. Or these people wouldn't be laughing if it wasn't true, or
2: she wouldn't be on the stage saying if it wasn't true. So, uh, I think it's really, it'd be really good. You know, the man had a show on the Travel Channel, and he died recently of autoerotic asphyxiation. Can we not call him a chuckle? It, fuck? Are we, we fine? Was it? Uh, you auto-erotic? just call him a chuckle fuck. Okay? Was it autoerotic? It might have been auto uh, auto. Was he jacking uh, off? Wasn't he? No. Oh, he just no. take a bunch of morphine and put it in a butt plug. No, he, he, de- he
0: hung himself with like a bathrobe or something in his fans in this like his favorite
2: hotel in, in France. They do that all the time though, they change the circumstances. But they, of they walk
0: in and they pull his pants up. Is yeah, that I've saying? seen
2: stats where it's as high as 99% of suicides or auto erotic asphyxiation. Are just people who with love people changing the situation because they don't want the Let me
0: ask you this what's more likely? People jacking off? Or people killing themselves. I mean, you come see on! What I'm saying, how are they gonna Seriously? keep jacking off and they're killing themselves? So let's hand out our next millennial book club segment, or not segment. Our next millennial book club assignment, after careful deliberation, uh, episode 80. When you tune back in for episode 80, our millennial book club assignment will be Roma.
2: Roma. R
0: O M A. Academy Award-winning. Roma. Roma, check... Okay, so, yeah, watch it. It's a film. It's, uh... Let's see. Do we... Let's read the... Oscar winner Alfonso Cuarón delivers a vivid emotional portrait of a domestic worker's journey set against domestic and political turmoil in 1970s Mexico. Roma, the Academy, Academy Award winner. Academy Award winner, Roma. So, yeah. Please... Uh, send us your. If you watch it before the next episode and you have strong feelings about watching Roma, or even if you have strong feelings about the dangerous world of comedy, please feel free to write to the show so we can bring you into the conversation here at Road Soda. So uh, write to us at Road Soda Mail at gmail.com. Again, that's Road Soda Mail at gmail.com. And. Join the conversation for your favorite segment, the Millennial Book Club. And now get ready for our interview with Amanda Hurley. That's right. She's been on the show before, but this was many years ago, and now she's back. I hope you guys enjoy the interview. You can follow her everywhere at Amanda June moon again that's amanda june moon on instagram and twitter and all those places and of course go see her short show if you live in brooklyn it's in bushwick and it's at the cobra club the third thursday of every month go see her stand-up show called we're tired
2: are you down on your luck looking for a laugh and you're severely allergic to dick Or maybe you just don't like spending your Thursday nights in the proximity of the penis. Well, if any of those things are true, have we got the show for you. We're Tired is a comedy show with ladies mostly making the jokes. Irene Fagan Mero from Betches and Amanda Hurley from the Women in Comedy Festival are tired of seeing lineups with only straight white men in flannels named Dan. They're also very tired in general, but that doesn't stop them from putting on this show. Here is a list of February's diverse lineup. Rebecca O'Neill from Two Dope Queens. Elise Morales from Our Cartoon President. A man, George Severus, New Faces of 2017 at JFL. How'd that guy get in there? Maddie Smith from Roastmasters. And Kirsten Alberts from Comedy Central Radio. Hey, folks, you missed that show, but the last Thursday of every month at the Cobra Club in Brooklyn, 8 o'clock, free drinks, lots of laughs, lots of vaginas. We're tired. So
0: uh, with us is Amanda
2: Hurley. Yes. Hurley. I didn't forget her last <laughs> name. That's I didn't forget. <laughs> well, you know, typically when we announce someone, we, we give their whole. Oh, okay. The Amanda Hurley from the red hot New York comedy scene. Fire. So Piping.
3: sizzling.
2: Yeah. Piping. Can we... <laughs> That's it. You just mentioned to us right before we got on that you were putting together clips for Just for Laughs. That's the Montreal. Right,
3: right, right. That makes it sound like I'm in it, which I'm not. I'm submitting to it, which yeah, is yeah. free, and anyone, and anyone can do it.
2: <laughs> well, but not not really, but I mean, yeah, I suppose right, right, anyone right. can do it, but yeah, you can do it. That's a big deal. <laughs> just for Laughs is a big deal. It is. Yeah. Wait, where, isn't yeah. that up in Montreal? It's
3: in Montreal, yeah, yeah.
2: When, when does it actually come up?
3: Uh, well, the submission um, deadline is like March first, so I'm like kind of pushing it. Uh, but the uh, actual like New Faces showcase uh, is in like July, I think.
0: And what kind of uh, clip are you putting together? Like a are you how many minutes? Just, like, like what what's going on?
3: No, nah, like so they just want like a five to seven minute like uh, up clip. So I'm doing that like very painful thing. That, well, I think it's painful. I think a lot of comics do where you have to actually watch your old sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, listen to your jokes and how much you say, um, and like, and your weird mannerisms and stuff. So that's what the reason it's taking so long. I'm just going through and trying to find one that, like, is an impressive venue and I also didn't bomb, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. So it has to be video. Five to seven minutes of video. It can't be just yes. audio.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, because then you can just, like, you, you should just. Find one that you like, and then add some canned laughter, like, like Seinfeld.
3: I, oh God, that's so funny. I've done I've done video um,
0: judging for festivals before. People have done that. Uh, yeah, I've done like I did it for Bird City and in, in a Bird City Comedy
3: Festival in Phoenix. And so, first of all, there's like you get like over 500 to 600 submissions, and you have to watch them all because like just morally you have to. But there's people that <laughs> you got like, to. just. Would just yeah, you can hear that they're putting in like you know like a Seinfeld laugh track. Like it's just it's it's super weird.
0: That is every little bit I, helps. Every little bit helps. Yeah, they're they're padding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so fucking. That's funny. Um, so in when is the submission Dubai? Uh, March first. So like ten days. Cool. Yeah. Did you did you do this last year?
3: No, and I should have. Um, I've just kind of it's. It's such a uh, like it's such a big deal to get into, and it's so few people do that I kind of have just written it off as an unattainable thing. But then, like this year, my friends there also comments were just like, "Don't be stupid. It's free. Why would you not? There's no reason not to. You don't even get a rejection email. You, you like you only get an email from them if you got in, so you don't even have to read mean words or anything. You know. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you don't you can even
0: just have pretend to re- it never happened. <laughs> you don't even have to get your feelings hurt. Yeah,
3: just ignore it. You just get ghosted by an entire, you know,
2: congregation of people.
3: Yeah, uh, people <laughs> that you want to impress. It's great.
2: How many? How many people do you think? You probably don't have any idea, but I wonder what your thoughts are. How many people do you think submit for just for last oh, of the year? Like it's, thousands. I mean,
3: it's, Oh, it has to be, just because, like, like the one that Mm -hmm. I was, um, like, judging video for is, like, a fairly new one, and it's just Phoenix, Arizona, so, like, regionally, you're only going to get people from, like, Arizona or, like, possibly LA and stuff like that for the most part submitting, and there were, I think, I think when it started, like, before we narrowed it down, there were, like, a little under 800 submissions just for that one, and that's, like, you know, a a smaller, much smaller scale deal than, like, Just for Laughs. So it's got to be, it's got to be thousands. Thousands. Yeah.
0: Are you
2: one in the thousands?
3: Uh, I will be as soon as I finish editing this.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah. Wait, is there another piece besides the video submission? Like, do you write an essay or is there like a...
3: No, no, no. Swimsuit
2: um, portion or anything like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I don't think we, most people want to see any comic in a swimsuit, but... Uh, I have to look at the guidelines again, but it's just, you literally just email it as an attachment to their like submission email and like maybe just your, your name and like your, um, uh, like town that you're operating out of. But I think that's basically it.
0: If you had to see any comedian in a swimsuit, which comedian would it be? Oh, wow. Ooh. I mean, and then also for what reason? It would have to
3: be it would have to be someone that's like low level enough that it's not easily Googleable. Like I could Google Sarah Silverman in a swimsuit right now. You know what I mean? Right. But which I will probably do after this call. But um, <laughs> I'm doing it right
0: now. She is a timeless beauty. But um, oh god, that's such a good question. Uh, yeah, and
3: for, the reason for it too is also a good because there's parts of me that are just like, yeah, Jim Gaffigan. Like, what is right. what's what's going on under there? Um,
0: (laughs) what is going on i think we know
3: i like the (laughs) idea that he's actually like a crazy hard body and it's just a fat suit that makes the jokes land better that would be
0: great (laughs) (laughs) he's
2: committed um but dang
3: uh
2: i would say uh, you know what i want to see
0: what's going on with mulaney Mulaney. John Mullaney yeah, in a swimsuit. Because he could have like a swimmer's bod, or it could be one of those like really
3: skinny guys that kind of have like the concave chest situation
0: going on. <laughs> which one do you? Th- I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Which Which one do you think? I think it's the not, swimmer's. I think he's a swimmer's guy. I think he's got a
3: svelte. you know, like Smelt? a like a. He's definitely a lanky dude, but I think uh, <laughs> at a certain point you have so much money that it's like impossible to not be, get a little bit hotter, you know.
0: Right, there you go. It's impossible at that point. The I money just right?
2: having it close to you. I feel close. like with most women, they're like three, and then the money comes out into his hand, and they're like plus hello. seven. <laughs> Whoa. Oh hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <coughs> um, where can, can we bring people? So for, Wait, for yeah, what do you for people that don't know uh, from our previous interviews back in. 2016, Amanda... Holy crap. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, though. it's almost three years. Isn't that nuts? It's been over That's three crazy. years since the first one. We did an interview in January 2016 and then in May. Which episode numbers were they? You ready for this? 14 was the first appearance of Amanda Hurley. Episode 25 was the second appearance. Wow. And this is episode... This one will be on episode
0: 79.
2: 79. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, we've been, we've been banging we it out. E- every Monday <laughs> at midnight, we come out, and we've been doing it every week without fail since the 4th of July last year. See, we're cool too, Amanda.
3: Dang, guys. We're, like,
2: really, I mean, that,
0: really cool.
3: That genuinely takes commitment. Like, there, you see so many people start a podcast, and, like, it just falls off because they can't commit to it and, yeah. like, you know, block out the time. So kudos to you guys.
2: Well, to be fair, most of the time, we use this service called Blue Podcast. Yeah. Where they send an organic, ready to make podcast to your home every week. So yeah, you just have to click. Like, <laughs> we interest. do have fun preparing it. You got to click interests.
0: And <laughs> yeah, yeah, then yeah. it's actually what is sponsoring this episode because it is this episode. Is, uh, Blue Podcast. Yeah. Right. Blue Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's really oh, cool. That's great.
1: I sit down in my Lincoln Navigator and I put on Blue Podcast. I'm not really listening to it. I'm too busy thinking about my car. And where the fuck am I? How did I get here? Oh yeah, I'm in a Lincoln Navigator. The all-new Lincoln Navigator.
2: We interviewed her three years ago. She was already banging it hard five years in oh, shit. The, the New York underbelly comedy world, fighting her way up. One of the big things that I think people that listen to the interview will remember is that she scored a kick-ass internship at, day, at oh, yeah. the Colbert Report. Cool. Well, it was the yeah. Colbert Report, right? That that was the show. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. it was before it was before the, the change. Yeah.
2: Yes, and Which was uh, you rad. you were there till that that one ended, till it moved over to the new format, right?
3: Um, I was there just before that um, because I, after the internship, I paged with Letterman. I was at Letterman up until the very end.
2: That's right. right. Letterman. Up until yeah. the very end. Yeah, so fucking cool credits here we're talking. That's why we keep having her back over and over and keep <laughs> flying her out to just,
0: by By pure <laughs> proximity, we are hoping to maybe... Get some cool.
2: Yes. It's been a long time, but I may ask to have sex with my wife just on the proximity cool. It's been like two years. (laughs) I've been saving it up for after this interview. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work, man. I can already tell you. It's not going to work. Let her know I I signed
3: off on that. I'll give you a (laughs) note.
2: Approved. So my first question was going to be, because this is a podcast, and we remember you are the hardest working woman in show business. No time for TV (laughs) or any of that bullshit. No podcasts. But now, you caught the blue apron reference. So maybe, are there a oh, couple God, of podcasts? Yeah. That what are we? Crepting? What are we listening to? Give oh, us gosh. what you're listening to. It's like a segment. Obviously, religiously to you guys, um,
0: every every week, at midnight on Mondays. Oh, um, <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Nice. Right, right, right. Of course, of right. course. Um, but I, I couldn't get enough. You know, I mean, like I
3: needed to, to you know, satisfy that that fix. Uh, so I um, no, I'm a big fan of. Um, uh, Last Podcast on the Left, um, uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me is actually what I was just listening to before I called
0: you guys. Okay. Uh,
3: it's great. It's, like, three. Have you
0: heard that one? I haven't heard, I, I've heard only these by name, but I, oh, okay. I don't know them.
3: Uh, Last Podcast on the Left kind of does, like, uh, it's, like, all comics on it. Uh, I only listen to comic ones, but, like, not talking
2: about comedy, so it's them talking about, like, conspiracy theories and, oh. like, cults and stuff like that. Okay, uh, right up Isaiah's fun. alley. The what? That is right up Isaiah's alley. He loves oh, that Oh, yeah, shit. for
3: sure. I think you'd really like it. It's like, it gets real dark, too, and they'll, like, guide you through it, though, so it's like, Please. If, you
0: know, it's... <laughs> Please, get
1: me yeah, out. Well,
3: no, it's like, well, because there's some of those where it's like, yes, this is really interesting and fascinating, but, like, now I'm, like, super bummed out, and... If somebody uh, crack somebody a joke, can, like, quick! <laughs> yeah, right, right, right? like... Isn't it funny that he held all these women captive? Ha ha ha! But uh, <laughs> I guess. Sense. Yeah right. No, but it makes or like my favorite murder does that kind of a thing,
2: you know. Do you listen Have to the my, my favorite one? murder too? Um, I kind of fell off of it,
3: but I need to get back into it. Uh, I was super hard into it for like a you know six month span. Um, but yeah, they're great. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, Round
0: Table of gentlemen, but that's not going anymore. Huh? That's
1: what the one was that? that?
3: Kevin Bar- it was this one that Kevin Barnett was on. Um, I don't know if you heard, but he he he's a comic and he, he passed away, uh, re- like, you know, about a week or two ago. Really? Um, oh, yeah, fair. it's just, um, it's a, it's like a rotating panel, but like with a couple um, people that are on it weekly of just like random bullshit talking and they're all just really funny.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty good, those are all really good. Um, have you ever good yeah sorry i almost stopped one thing and started another those are all really excellent suggestions that i've never heard of any of them it's what i was just thinking like uh i like doing this and asking more people about their yeah about their podcast
2: but uh i, I love that what, if amanda is listening to them that means the saturation is getting there because we uh, know she's so still 24 7 either sleeping standing up waiting for time working right, somewhere right. or taking a subway to get between one or the other
3: Eating a sandwich over a trash can, yeah, for sure. Nice. It s-
2: saves you a plate. What are you
0: gonna do?
3: <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. I that's... eat most of my meals standing up. <laughs>
0: that's right. Oh. I, hold on, let's see what we got here. Cause yeah, I put all my notes on on the phone.
2: That was excellent foresight.
0: <laughs> oh, <smart. laughs> and put my phone. And now is, his phone is sitting right in front of me. I was supposed right, to be able to right, get right, it right. off because it was on Evernote. I thought I was going to be able to get it off the.
2: Um, now I've got computer. a a, pod, a podcast question related to uh, something I saw on one of your YouTube clips. Because I did a uh-huh. little research on this one. Oh no! Have you ever watched? Uh, I'm sorry. Listened to the podcast? Put your hands together. No. Are you familiar with it?
3: It's the name's familiar.
2: It is a podcast of a live weekly uh, show at the Uprights the UCB theater in LA. It's hosted uh-huh. by Cam Esposito and
3: Yeah Maria Butcher. Okay. Do
2: they sound familiar? I
3: know Cameron Esposito. So I mean, she's big.
2: So she is. She absolutely is. I love Cam Esposito. And she's got a very distinctive laugh and I wanted to ask you yeah, I saw a clip of you at Caroline's, and I heard the laugh. And I, well, by the end of your set, I was like, "God damn it, that laugh sounds wicked familiar." And she would know if she was in the show. Did Cam Esposito come to that show at Caroline's by any chance?
3: It's very possible that she was like on it. It was probably a showcase show, um, and that means like it'll be like a handful of like eight to fifteen comics, and then but it's a nice one for like more famous people to just drop in on and try out new stuff. But I don't remember specifically, like all my clips online are so old that I can't even remember what show that was, but she's definitely been there.
2: It definitely sounded like she was there and it definitely sounded like she was loving your shit because Oh, I like that. Can I put that like on my bio? Does that count? I think (laughs) it's the first thing on your
0: bio. (laughs) 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 It's the first thing on my bio. Right, right? <laughs> I guess I don't know that the fact that you that the fact that she was laughing at your jokes that is, yeah, Greg uh, definitely went in on the research and
2: I kind of just yeah, good work, man. Go, thank you, Greg. I
0: should watch those clips. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should watch those clips. Well,
2: you should because I think the clips were kind of old and I was just thinking to myself, I, I, I remember how you said that you're, uh, you know, like the ugly underbelly of the. The world that you're in is that you got to spend a lot of time sucking the dick the with the worst. self promo and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But you got to do it. You know what I mean? Like the people that are yeah. pe- people that are putting laugh tracks on their shit might get I in think, there. Yeah. Some guy right. will look at the other guy and go, "I don't know. It sounded like people were laughing." And your soul will just go, "Fuck that shit." I, I didn't right? fucking go to that. But then they end up getting on. You know. So you gotta. You That's gotta... the thing.
3: I was thinking about the other day. I was like, um, kind of just in my head judging someone for being so, like, self-promotion and getting this out there and going for every opportunity and, like, just, like, constantly, like, saturating, like, my, like, timeline and, like, Instagram with all this (laughs) stuff and, like, kind of overselling what they were doing. And and then I realized, like, you know that thing they say where it's, like, the things that you hate in other people are the things that you, like, see in yourself type of a thing, where I was just, like, that's what I should be doing. Like, that, I'm only mad because I'm, I should be doing that. Like, yeah, it can be embarrassing, but, like, it's working out. Like, that person is succeeding because they are, like, putting everything into it and, like, not trying to be self-deprecating because that's, like, not cute. That's just – that means that you don't have confidence in yourself.
0: Yeah,
2: but still, fuck that It's a guy. really
3: hard thing to fight against, <laughs> though.
2: <laughs> it is a really hard thing. My kids play uh, this this uh, online game, Fortnite, which you may or may not have heard of. But Oh, yes, I have. Every time they get killed, like, now it's, it's like – Pavlov with the bell. Every time they get killed, my kids yell out, try hard. Look at these tryhards, hards, Jack. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so sweaty, try I'm like, sweaty because you're be trying so hard. You guys have been playing for eight hours and you keep getting killed. How about just not sucking at the game instead of yelling try Sounds hard? Sounds like they're five. trying hard. They just put in a work shift. <laughs> yeah. Holy, Holy
3: shit. crap. Is that, a, is that like a phrase that the kids are using now or
0: is that like a gaming phrase? It's, it's I don't like know if it's a the game. The opposite of a noob. They, <laughs> yeah, somebody who tries so hard and still sucks.
2: I mean, yeah, <laughs> to hear you! I don't know. I know that uh, when I was a kid, I think it's a, a regular kid thing that you just don't want to look like you're trying. But oh, of course, you don't want to. I don't. know. I feel like they're putting too much emphasis on them. Like you, you guys right. get that there should be some effort, right? You guys should right. actually be trying. Like that's the worst thing you can yell. Oh, try hard. What are you? What are you practicing, loser? I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about practice. succeeding, Get fucked, bro. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sounds like somebody's been playing a little Fortnite. <laughs> I haven't. I'm not, are you guys Are you guys big video gamers too? No, no. No? We, we both have such normal lives. That
2: like, is normal. Isn't
0: that a normal thing? <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, I it guess it is, is normal. I mean, there's nothing um, wrong yeah. with a
2: little bit of video game. I certainly wouldn't describe either of us as gamers. But. I think if I right. wasn't
0: doing this podcast, then yeah, I could see myself video gaming. Right.
2: Yeah. What do you
3: usually do at the end of the day then? Like, what's your like cool down routine? TV. Really? Yeah,
0: that's just just cause... like
3: t- to zone out to.
0: Yep. That's what's like your yeah. Zone out program. Just uh, what's up? What's your
3: zone out program?
0: <laughs> uh, what's your zone out program, Amanda? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I kind of just took over. Oh
1: <laughs> no, no, um, no well, because I was gonna say like I I um I relate to the to the
3: TV at the end of the day just like to turn your brain off and like I'll be honest like I'll just come home and watch Family Guy because like you don't have to pay attention and like it can be very funny sometimes but also it, it requires zero mental effort to like come back to you know what I mean so you can just be like you can fall asleep to it or just be on your phone the
0: whole time but you're not really like acknowledging it it's something to hang out with yeah and yeah, that's... yeah. it's like the comfort of like an ex boyfriend where you're like I know I could do better <laughs> but like this is safe <laughs> Family guy is like an ex-boyfriend. Yeah, like he's a good guy, but he just wasn't really, like, he didn't have a lot of ambition. Right, and but he gets on your nerves while, after a while. Yeah, but every <laughs> once
3: in a while you get a little drunk and you fall back in you guys spend the night
0: together. That's right. It's funny at first.
3: Yeah, right? Then
0: he just gets then you're
3: old. Like, yeah, you're like, I've heard this before, like, we get it.
0: Oh, man. Um. Yeah, I, I watch... Uh, similar. I watch cartoons as well. I just. Uh, I was trying to deflect, deflect. Uh, okay. All
1: right. <laughs> you feel a toothless hooker's gum sliding over your ball bag. You take a crisp ten dollar bill and send her on her way into the night. The all new Lincoln Navigator.
0: Yeah. Where are you I now? Where are you now?
3: Uh, I just moved from Bushwick to Bedsty yikes um it's a, it's i mean yeah but like it was it's just it's just us all gentrifying again like bushwick is what i mean Bed-Stuy <laughs> it is just keeps what bushwick going back and forth was. like
0: the tide greg right right,
3: right. <laughs> well it's just like we pushed out into williamsburg and now williamsburg's too much like bushwick and Bedsty are basically like the same thing now
2: okay oh well, when i hear Bedsty, i'm just thinking like that was like hardcore like in the 80s oh, and 90s for sure. right I did get like a good bit out of it when I first got here because there are times where people
3: like you like in certain areas it's less gentrified and like they very much and rightfully so are annoyed with your presence because you're jacking up the rent for everyone by being there type thing. (laughs) Uh, but I, I'm not, I won't do
0: the joke at you, but I had a guy on the train, uh. Don't joke at uh, me, bro. But I had a guy on the train, like, start yelling
3: at me, like, uh, it was just, like, a couple of us on the train, and I had my headphones in, so I was, like, pretending I couldn't hear him, but he kept just getting closer and closer, and, like, he was just saying, like, some, like, at, at one point he was just, like, uh, uh, I used to kill sluts like you in the 90s, and just, like, yelling shit like that, like, in my face and stuff, and, like,
0: that was a really, like, scary but I got a bit out of it, so it's like fun, it, yeah, it's <laughs> looking on the brighter side. Sounds like yeah, a pretty right? neat guy. Yeah. Sounds like he was—he did, you know, he meant well.
3: Sure, I mean, yeah, and he was making some really solid points about gentrification. So
0: yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, and he was
0: very—it was—it <laughs>
3: was midday. He was
0: a gentle man.
3: Yeah, very Talked kind. Soul. Have, kind I just, eyes, kind eyes,
0: kind. Sorry, very, nice. you could see his soul. I saw. I listened to this episode of the. Do you listen to the dollop?
3: Oh yeah, I love the Top Issues. Nice. Just
0: a Have you good? Yeah, Greg got me into it, um, and now I listen. And now I listen. So mm-hmm. uh, there was this episode on Moving Day. Did you hear that one? Moving
3: Day. I don't think so. I, yeah, it was kind How of. How old is it?
0: Um, I'm There's not one sh- of the newer ones. I think is
2: it? Yeah, it's like one of the
0: last. I'm two. not caught up,
3: so that makes okay. sense. But tell me about
0: it. It's uh, it's interesting. It's about in in New York City when it first started, like when the the new, when it was New Amsterdam and probably in the early 1600s they it was like every what day was it it was like every march or something sometime in march everybody would move like on march 15th everybody would move and they Like continue, musical chairs or they would move like further Like musical out. houses yeah, yeah
2: exactly yeah, yeah that's hilarious it's why hilarious would they move?
0: why because it, they did it one year and then they did it the next year and then somehow they just made it a tradition it turned it's into tradition. a holiday <laughs> and they did it all the way up through like the fucking 60s and it was like a nightmare at some point like that just seems a, insanely yeah, impractical yeah dude, it is it's a night it sounds like a nightmare it's and a ridiculous also, episode like, is there like jockeying for the best houses like at one point are you getting fucked by moving from like a mansion to a shack because you like woke up late well you move in with your it's not like you just got to run to the n- nearest empty house i mean there's a lot of like lease exchanges and people okay uh, yeah so you're gonna stay so like within even, like your like, price range even, bartering trade type thing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, I, I gotta listen to that one. It's really, really interesting. And like the movers, it was like uh, they like kind of ran a racket because you either you had a mover or you didn't. So they like would just jack the prices up to whatever of the fuck course. they wanted. But everyone was just like, "It's tradition, <laughs> right? It's, uh-huh, yeah. That's the yeah. way it
2: is. That's the way it is. That's, that's twenty two bucks an hour. It gets crazy. There's a day in Boston every year because there's so many schools in Boston. Like at the end of the summer." People that are like done moving back to wherever, or the students oh. moving in, or the people, and yeah. it, it does get a little crazy in Boston. I had it's all just like uh like double parked moving vans and shit. Oh, everywhere, yeah. And the streets <laughs> suck in Boston or like, like can they do see. in New York. So it's like you can't fucking move around. Yeah, there's no alleys really and stuff. Yeah, oh, There's frick. a lot of people, and it's usually people. You know, it's not like the nice brownstone that's like two stories. It's like a girl and her. Friend that are roommates on the fifth floor with no fucking elevator, on right. August thirty first. Like one,
3: one guy friend that they tricked into doing it because he has a crush on one of them and yeah. he's just carrying everything.
2: Exactly,
0: that's a good trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great trick. Yeah, where? So wait, are you um? Do you are you doing a whole bunch of traveling for comedy? Like because you you're just talking about Boston, it seems like you are oh, familiar Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Boston. I
3: just did. I just did an East Coast trip with my um, my co-host for my monthly show. Um, she's from uh, Maine. So we did, like, a trip through, like, uh, all across, all up the East Coast for, like, a week and a half, um, doing some shows, and then ending up there. And I did, like, Thanksgiving with her boyfriend's family, actually, and then
2: we headed back down, but it was fun. Was that in Maine? Where in Maine was that? I lived in Maine for a while. Uh, I think it was Portland. Okay. But we
3: we did some other shows in the area. Oh God! This is why Google Docs are so important uh, because my memory is so bad. But um, yeah, we did like uh, Boston, uh, New Hampshire. Is that there? That's there, right? Yeah, I
0: think it's yeah. You <laughs> think so? Uh,
3: and like three other spots. But it was uh, it was really fun. It was freezing cold, but but it was nice. And then just before that, I did a I did a West Coast one through like. Um, like, San Diego, Phoenix, New Mexico, like, like, Albuquerque, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. That
2: mm-hmm. is fucking cool, because three years ago, you definitely weren't doing that type of travel. No,
3: I'm... like, the only travel I was doing was, like, back to Phoenix for, like, and I would, like, book some shit around that for, like, holidays and stuff, but, so now it's great
2: to, well, like... You, you were talking about a uh, Pennsylvania trip, like, ironically, you were like, yeah, this fucking bullshit two hours west of the city trip I did out to Pennsylvania... What on the last uh, on another episode? Yeah on, oh, on, yeah, on our last interview, she yeah. was talking about it. So now you're doing like you know multiple dates up up into Maine. And, yeah, uh, I mean, West Coast. and a lot
3: of that is like a lot of that is like yeah, I'm better at comedy now, so I feel more comfortable doing it. But it's still you put it. T- it's not like it's not like I have like a booker that put it together. Like you still have to reach out to the venues and send them clips and negotiate money and find a place to stay and like all that stuff. So it's it's not like it's not like I've I've succeeded to the point where I'm. I'm just getting told that I have a spot or something, but I've gotten good enough where people will let me ask for one. <laughs>
2: you know well, that's saying that's something. That's awesome. Like so you're doing more time now. It sounds like like what type of yeah. set is is Amanda doing now? Like fifteen, twenty, thirty?
3: well, in the in this city, it's still pretty much the same just because that's how a lot of shows are booked. Like I'm not to the point where I'm gonna get to a headlining spot at Carolines but they'll let me do ten fifteen. um. But on the road, I got to do like 30 to 45, which was rad.
2: Fuck yeah. Is that is that but daunting it, to all of a sudden have to be up there for like 45 minutes? It's,
3: it's daunting just when you haven't done it for so long because you get so conditioned to know how many jokes fit into 10, 15 and which order you want to do them in that, like, to fill that space out with more jokes in between, it just, like, it throws you for a loop, and, like, your concept of your time on stage feels really bizarre. But you get, like, after, you know, two days into,
0: like, a... I feel weird calling it a tour, but to a, a string of shows... It's a like, tour. Call get, it what it, it is. It's a tour. I know. I just feel like there's, there's there's some sort of,
2: like... You have to earn being able to call it a tour. You know I what I mean? I think you've earned it. You put it together. You, you're doing yeah, more work. Yeah, Wait, so now this is perfect timing for me to tell the listeners... But my main thought on Amanda Hurley, we were talking about it before the before we came on, is that this is the thing. I, and, and I want to tell you, it's a, it's a parallel in the way I think. I'm from Massachusetts. I moved away from this excellent support system and all these mm-hmm. possible bennies I could have had. I moved up to Maine for like 10 years because I just was like, I want to kind of do my own thing. I want to make sure I'm able to do my own thing. And then in 2011, right. I moved down to Florida. I got no family down here or nothing and i just wanted to kind of you know that you it's it's kind of probably a lot of the same reasons people get into stand up is you want to just make something out of nothing and just fucking muscle through it right so this is this is what i think what i think amanda hurley is without getting too two nuts a very attractive girl doing stand up thank you going out of her way to What's the word on stage? Maybe frump it down a bit because yeah. she doesn't want any fucking bonus for the female anatomy. And I love right. that. I think that's like a big, uh, even if it's not like a conscious part, it's definitely a big subconscious part of like, because I, I just hear it in almost everything that you're saying. I'm like, yeah, she is like, I'm not fucking getting any bennies. If someone wanted to offer me something for free, fuck off. Although I would take it because da da da. But then you're still like, no, <laughs> fuck off. I want to do it myself. <laughs> And I like that, you know, there's something about putting yourself in a, uh, you know, a tough situation and fighting your way out of it. Mm -hmm.
3: Thank you. Uh, That's super, that's very nice. Uh, It's definitely like, when I started, that's definitely like when you were talking about like frumping it down or like just dressing down on stage was something that I was like really conscious of doing because A, I knew that I probably wasn't that funny and like a couple of times I was getting... uh, creepy people that were, like, fake offering me stuff, but it was, like, you know, like, it's, like, the comedian a ver- version of being,
0: like, Netflix. Do you want to come watch Netflix? You know? Or they'd be, like, hey, <laughs> you like... You want to come some, tell some I'd jokes? I'd love to and... have you on my show sometime. Can I get your number? And then, like, that offer for
3: the show never comes up. And you're, like, oh, okay, weird. I was wearing short shorts on stage, and now I'm very funny to him, but he's not really going to book you know like, that kind of a thing. So I was, like, conscious of it uh, at first, and now it's just, like... Now it's more of, like, a comfort thing on stage. Like, that's not my... That's just, like, my more my style. I did notice here, like, when I moved here that, like... And I guess it's also, like, a change in the landscape of comedy because there's more women and there's, you know, a, a big uptick in, like, feminism and stuff like that where people are more comfortable um, including their sexuality in their comedy and not having it be something that detracts from their skill if that is a part of their personality and their persona on stage mm-hmm. and like that it's like becoming more apparent that like that's not a, a, a downside or anything like it's like you can do that if that's if that matches your character and your personality and it shouldn't be something that is frowned upon so I think there's something cool about that too that's happening now but it's still it's still just like not my style like my a lot of my female uh comedian friends here are very much more, like, um, feminist and, like, more sexualized as people in their everyday lives, so it totally makes sense that it would translate the stage that way, and I'm just not, I'm, like, very, um, awkward, like, in that sort of sense, so, like, that's part of it, too, it's not, it's, but, I'm rambling, but, um, I don't know, I think there's a case to be made for both sides, but that's just kind of how I've always played it.
0: I i I see you do yeah I'm oh, sorry I just got lost like thinking about it yeah I 100 percent agree like you're just you're playing that character George that that short shorts
2: by the way and he kind of glazed over like two minutes over, I, I fell back in the back of my chair started
0: <laughs> foaming at my mouth and the um yeah because you gotta I've because uh, have you ever experimented and like gone back and forth and like uh, like trying to wear different things and seeing what kind of reactions you get on yeah. stage? yeah
3: i'm definitely doing that more so now because it fits more thematically the show uh my monthly show that i have with my co-host irene fagan marrow she's very very funny um but our show is called we're tired Uh and um it's it's her show that she uh we are doing together now but um we do it at the cobra club in brooklyn which is like this super rad rock venue with like a black box theater in the back cool. um, but the concept of the show is that it's every it's a show um, featuring comedians that are everyone except
0: for straight white men <laughs> so it's like a very much it's like whoa, a whoa, whoa. what show. are you trying to say I know, I know i know i know but the whole like essentially the whole
3: concept of the show is like it is like a, a joke attack you know what I mean like we are we are being like intentionally over vicious up top and stuff like that so of course it's the show where we're just like yeah I'm gonna wear a leather skirt like blah blah you know like that kind Mm -hmm. of thing right so it fits that more but like my my usual attire is more like you know uh, jeans and a baggy shirt type deal
0: right yeah cause I I, um when you you you, I've done that before like just experimenting with different kinds of uh, clothing and it does it starts changing it starts going in a different direction than what you the rest of your presence is and it's weird yeah. yeah that that yeah
3: it's just about what you're comfortable in like imagine if you like had to give like uh, a lecture or like a, a speak in front of people at work or something and like you're wearing you all of a sudden you're wearing high heels and you don't usually wear
0: high heels and you have to be perf- in front of people like it's going to throw you off just like the feeling maybe it of would throw the, you off amanda <laughs> it, oh, oh I'm sorry I don't mean to you're right yeah it is it is uh, I don't oh, mean do to, my best yeah. work. I do my best work in heels. <laughs> you're taking heels.
3: I think you call them. That's right. But yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It's just, it's just like I think it's whatever makes like for some people. I think it makes them incredibly more confident to feel like they are. You know, like it's empowering to to dress nice and like feel good about your appearance, and it makes you more confident in the material you're telling and everything like that. Um, but me, it would make me feel like I don't know, exposed and like uncomfortable. <laughs> Like there's comics that will do. Like there's a couple shows here that are naked. Um, all like, the performers, all the, all the comedians have to perform on stage naked.
0: And what about the audience?
3: The, if they want to, it's 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 whatever you.
0: If they want to be naked, they can be. Okay. Which is like it's usually only like one weird dude, but um. Who is naked? It's shows up to I, every yeah, show I I yeah, naked. I knew, I knew it. I the I only was only to, to, to. stay <laughs> at.
2: Yeah yeah right
3: yeah, he, he got kicked out of every other show he goes to all of them that <laughs> way. There, but, this is uh, a subway
2: get out we just told you yesterday
3: he's like fine <laughs> go where they understand me but yeah uh, like and I think that that's an incredibly like brave thing to do and it, like I think it opens itself up to a lot of like very funny situations and like vulnerability is definitely like very entertaining for people
2: and like relatable uh, but I would literally shit my pants if I had to do that but I wouldn't Not be no to you to were so, naked yeah I'm you don't think you would Get on the stage yeah <laughs> No shitting uh, on the stage, please. Please. Yeah, right. That that right. actually sounds fucking next level horrific. Yeah. Naked right? stand It's out. terrifying to me. Uh, but you know like people's batting... number
0: one fear is? Public speaking. I know. And, and like...
2: <laughs> no, what's... Oh, wait, no, yeah.
0: Wait, now it's... Death number... is number two. Public speaking. Yeah. Public speaking naked. They just found a new fucking They'd level. They'd rather be in I the know, coffin right? than <laughs> giving
2: the eulogy. Is that... Who... <laughs> What is that, a vaudeville act? No, that's fucking Seinfeld. (laughs) Seinfeld? That's Seinfeld's line. He says, the number two fear is death. Oh, right, right. The number one is public. They'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. It is, all right. That's a great line. (laughs) Uh,
3: Uh, It's beautiful, but yeah.
0: Um, So what's your, uh, I love the aspect of us getting to talk shop uh, or having you talk shop because I think that's what people really enjoy listening to. Even though you said I only listen to podcasts with comedians where they're not doing that, um, yeah, for the most part. For the most part, <laughs> uh, but still, um, I think if we do, we talk a little bit shop this time. Then the next time we come on, and which could be a lot sooner, right. and not three years from now, then we can then we can do some uh, fun stuff like some. The th- three yeah. years from now, it'll be you guys giving my eulogy. I will have died. <laughs> I couldn't. It's my biggest fear. Oh, that's not even. Ugh um so <laughs> what was I yeah yeah so what's your how are uh, uh, what does your set look like now compared to what it did the last time we talked like how many jokes Ooh. do you have that are the same how much has it changed um what's yeah what's going on
3: I definitely like and I judge myself for this but I definitely have some jokes that I probably still keep in my roster Um, either if I'm like trying out new bits and I need a strong closer that I know has worked before and stuff like that. Or if I want to open strong with something I keep, I, I, I almost certainly have some jokes from three years ago that I'm using, like even semi regularly across different sets, um, on stage, just as like a, uh, I don't know, like a central base to pull from. But, um, most of it, I, God, I hope most of it's newer than three years old, um, but I definitely am not, like, I've. I, there are comics out here that are incredible in that, like, every single time I see them perform, they have a completely new set, and that blows my mind. Uh, I'm not that kind of writer. I prefer, like, it takes me a while to figure out the style in which I want to tell a joke and be comfortable telling it and move it around in a set and stuff like that before I'll shelf it. But, uh, I, I mean, like, I'd say, like,
0: And to be honest, I think that's probably a better way to do it. Like, there is something to say. There is something to say for the guy that's writing new jokes Mm -hmm. every single time. But those jokes are not even half-baked before they're rotating them and moving on. And they might have a big cache and over time be able to cycle back through. But, like, there is something, too, telling the same joke. It was something that I had a big obstacle. It was easier for me to write new shit than it was for me to get on stage and continue saying the other stuff. Because I got bored with it. But there's, uh-huh. but you get to tell those jokes better and in getting to tell those jokes better and spending more time with one joke, then you get better at joke telling in, in general. Mm-hmm. Because, for just from mm-hmm. dissecting that thing. So I think in, in a way, those guys are probably looking at you maybe enviously because they're like, I'm just, they're, they're never going to get to like this. It, it's a different kind of, it's more of a creative writing than like joke writing yeah. and like trying to perfect your joke. For
3: sure. But I also think it's, it's, it can become easy to justify using old jokes that way in that you're not trying new material as much because that's scary and you're sticking with the same safe stuff that you know works. And at a certain point, like it has to be a happy middle ground between the two, I think. Like, that you are, you are still writing new stuff and trying out new bits. Because, like, I'll go through a period of time where I'm doing the same set and I haven't written anything new because it doesn't feel funny enough yet. And the reason it's not funny enough yet is because I haven't done it on stage. And then that becomes a cycle of me just not ever putting the jokes out into
2: a microphone, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a boom-bust thing It's what it looks like to me that people go through periods where they're more about bringing new stuff in then they're more about their delivery and the technique and, like, the real tweak down. And you see people, like, doing the same exact... You know, we I, I was involved in the uh, Sarasota open mic scene for, like, a year. Right. And I saw the same 28 people do the same 3 minutes and 10 seconds where I could fucking recite it myself. And some right. people just we're really into like their delivery. They do the whole thing and they just said and there she was. Fuck, wait. There she was. And there, yeah. You know, and it's like th- that was just brutal to me. Honestly, I really love the idea of stand up. I told you 3 years ago, I'm sure you don't remember that. I didn't even know stand I suppose I knew it was a concept at some level, but I didn't know it was a thing you could do until right. I was really in my late 30s and then I tried it for a year and I really thought I was going to love it. I just don't love the 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 attention to detail in like the oh it's
3: vicious and it's tedious it's and brutal. like and it's just like your creativity getting like slapped down over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> like not intentionally but just because it's not there yet or it didn't it didn't work in that room or like you know you didn't deliver it right and you just have to be like okay again and like sometimes it's really hard to be like okay again <laughs> you know like sometimes you just Get really frustrated with it, but when it works, it makes all of that worth it. Like if you're if you're that someone you that's
2: into it, if you are someone that's got that drive that can go through for it, sure, because sure. the pe- the person that's slapping it down over and over and over is you. You can't mm-hmm. get away from. Them. You can lock yourself in the closet. They're still in. there going. That that was the fucking best line you had. Right. That's the way you're gonna <laughs> yeah. fucking close that. Really.
3: Right. Really on a fart joke. Get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. You're worthless. Yeah.
2: Um. Uh, so how much? Where are you at right now as far as? That that cycle. Are you writing more right now, or you? It sounds like you're yeah, moving around a lot. I'm
3: writing more now, and I think like I, everyone has like different like processes and stuff. And I guess a lot of it probably has to do with whether you're like personal or observational in your comedy t- uh, telling. But like I, what like with this when I moved neighborhoods, I wrote more, and when I was like on the road, I wrote more. Just because your routine changes, and so you're more hyper aware of like what you're doing and mm-hmm. what's different, and like you have. Uh, more of a sense of like oh this is an unusual thing that's happening currently right now for me and then that helps you like kind of break out of that rut of not being able to find any new material so I'm like I like I said I got that new uh I got that new me almost getting killed on the
0: subway joke and uh that's that's fun (laughs) is that your first is that your first almost getting killed on the subway um yeah, actually,
3: like in, realistically, I've been like yelled at from homeless. I had a homeless guy lick my face once, but that wasn't like threatening. That's no, yeah,
0: th- what? That's not threatening. That is the most threatening. But he, a, he
3: can't. He can't kill me with. Well, he actually probably, you, probably could kill me with you this could, stuff. Yeah,
2: you <laughs> that's like the scariest part of a bum.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are true, po-
2: poisonous true. homeless people out there. If they lick you, you can die. Yeah, yeah. you know the poisonous I heard ones. It's
3: like a poison ivy situation. I, I heard like about
2: Like the poison frogs, the poison, poison <laughs> homeless. They're out there. You should count yourself lucky. But if no- I lick
3: them, will I get high like a poison frog? cuz I'm into
2: that? <laughs> that's something you could definitely do.
0: It is the highest high you've ever been. And but then yeah. you die. <laughs> but then you absolutely. There's nothing you can get higher and that's the worst it's the best worst way to die, I guess. Right. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Reggie Johnson's Weight Loss Hair Growth Serum. Are you a fat guy who wears hats? Or a fat lady who wears wigs? Well, stop. With our new patented formula, turn your fat into hair. This serum is guaranteed to change your fat on a molecular level into hair. They said it couldn't be done, but they never met Bob Chancy. Hi, I'm Bob Chancy. I used to be so fat and bald. Now I'm not. Join Bob and hundreds of others who have purchased our product and watch your spare tire turn into hair power. I'm Reggie Johnson, inventor of the magical weight loss hair growth serum. My brother has cornered the dick pill market and I have cornered everything else. All you do is take a squirt of this shit, put it on your fat ass and your bald head, and bam, stop looking dumb being fat and bald. Get yourself a head of hair li- like a lion. You're going to be so damn skinny with so much hair, people are going to freak out. You're going to scare kids. Turn your life around with my weight loss hair growth serum. Reggie Johnson. Scary skinny, scary hairy.
2: But uh, they actually have a... Uh, never mind. <laughs> well, well, So we were talking process, and I think we're both very interested to hear, like, you know, as much as you might be able to say or, or what you can actually uh, verbalize, but, like, your process, is it like you carry a notebook around or is it like going in your phone or do you like talk it out into a a microphone and then just like, what's the process for something coming Uh, from ideas? Yeah. I know like a lot of people are very regimented
3: and good with routine of like, you know, they'll get up every morning and they'll write for an hour. Um, And I have done that and it, it has rarely yielded like bits that I've kept type thing. It's usually, and this is going to sound like I'm like, using people around me but i'm not it usually is something that happens organically in a conversation like you remember something when you're telling a story or someone says something to you that is contradictory to what you think and you kind of like to break that down type thing and so i always have a notebook with me but it usually ends up being a note in my phone mm. and like 30 percent of the time it's unintelligible like what i meant to say <laughs> but 70 percent of the time i can kind of uh figure out what i was talking about and then come back and write it out in the notebook
2: so you do you do have a notebook with just a bunch of shit in it that's
3: oh, yeah, different for sure. stages of
2: uh, baked or unbaked or whatever?
3: Yeah, like here I've got one next to me. Um, oh, this is all roast battle stuff. Oof. Are you um, been doing a lot
0: of roast battling?
3: Yeah. How do you a, feel
0: about that? How do you do you like it a lot a
2: little?
3: I really like doing it when I'm roast battling someone that I know who's a friend of mine because you know that you can say whatever you want and at the end of the day you love each other. Right. It's really, really hard for me personally to roast someone that I don't know because I don't... I like, I'll always meet with them and obviously ask them if there's anything off limits and stuff
0: like that, but it still just comes off as <laughs> And then I'll write jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be like, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> you dad Is there something so that, that might make you, you cry? Anyway. If I said it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah right? Um,
3: but it there's something that's like disingenuous about uh roasting someone about something that you don't really know like they just kind of told it to you or like you've like stalked them online and it just kind of feels more mean to me that way even though that's the entire purpose of it and I get over it and I do it right. but it always either that or the roasts end up being super generic like all the like girls doing jokes about the guy having a small dick and guys doing jokes about her being a fat slut and like that will just like repeat over and over again you know like huh. where it could just be interchangeable because you don't actually know the person
0: right 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 but like
3: i'm doing one on sunday and i just made an appointment oh i have to remember to do that to meet up with the guy tomorrow and we're going to go like to a coffee shop we're actually going to a bar which is better for me but
1: um, <laughs> and kind of just like go over stuff and like
3: really like it's more fun when you can like do an actual Interview of them and be like, hey,
0: what was the worst thing that happened to you when you were eight years old? And like, <laughs> I swear, what are, I'm not going to use you know, it. This is not for the <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> uh, but
3: they're really fun. The one that I do most, most of the time is called Comedy Fight Club, and it is, um, they at the beginning of the show they shout out what the only rule of Comedy Fight Club is, which is no pity laughs. Uh, so like, oh,
0: fuck yeah, that's a good rule. Audi-
3: yeah, it's like vicious, I'm and on the board. audience. It's uh, no pity laughs or no pity collapse because the audience will, uh, at the end, obviously vote for each person. Like, you clap for one and then the other. And so, what usually happens is, like, one person will get applause and the other one will get frickin' silence. And that's Ouch. the most painful thing that ever happens is when you're just like, oof. Like, it's brutal, but it's so good in that way because it's completely honest. Like, everyone's. It's not, none of that Mr. Nice Guy comedy stuff. It's just like, nah, you biffed it, dude. Like, it's great. Next yeah and then like in between the judges will come up and roast after each round like they'll write jokes about the comics that are roasting each other right there on the spot and then just like lay into them in between rounds it's just like really fun like raw dirty vicious organic it's great
2: Well, wow, sounds like a great fucking wholesome time you know what <laughs> i just thought of i have a new nightmare now after hearing that go ahead a naked comedy roast battle oh and don't no. clap do not clap just because you got a tiny dick oh, i want complete God. silence
3: that, uh, you say that now, but by the time we have our next call, like, that will have happened. And I even got a name like, for the show. Like, it's somewhere in the cultural zeitgeist that that, like, someone else just, just. I,
0: fa- I thought of the worst seagull. hell on earth. Here's the name <laughs> yeah, of the show. Yeah.
2: Suicide Machine. <laughs> Suicide
0: Machine. God, that's bad. Oh, it's such a good, bad idea, though. Yeah. Oh, you think your roast battle's harsh. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, what what's inspiring you to you right now? Like, who are you? Are you really just who are you looking up to? Who are you looking at and going like, man, that's they're doing really well. What oh, what can I use? What can I use of that?
3: Um, use of that or
0: just like. Well, I mean, I, like the style. Uh, like I can learn that. from that. I can. Well, I think in admiring you, you're kind of like using it to grow in a way and then having for it inspire. Sure, for sure. Um. Oh who do you want to steal? Who do you want to wear their skin? You know, cut <laughs> them up. But wear, like, a lampshade over your face. Um, <laughs> uh, well, two of my favorite comics
3: right now are actually a couple, which is, like, the best ever. And they're two of the nicest people, and they're also two of, like, the hardest-working people. Uh, Sam Evans and Carmen Legala. Uh, they're both based out of um, New York. Carmen just did Late Night. Sam's the fuck. They're just both so funny. Uh, and I... Sam is one of the people that I was talking about where he has a new set every time I see him and it's Fuck polished Sam every, No it's polished every time I see oh, him Oh god damn like, Sam It's always like beautiful like brilliant like takes on something that like you hadn't thought of but you had and like it, it's great and, and Carmen does the same thing and she'll do like great character work she just did a show recently that was all like Muppets that she made and it's just like I don't know it's just people that I'm impressed She's with She's doing creativity. a Muppet stick? She did she we did the Muppet show or? that was that. It was great. Uh, but it's just like people that are uh, constantly thinking of new things to challenge them creatively and like coming up with new material and like having it be good and, and also being nice people, which is like very, very wonderful to see when the people above you are actually like got there because of talent and stick to itiveness and not. Because they were stepping on people on the way, you know? Right,
0: yeah. I've heard that that's like one of the best ways to move in comedy is just obviously number one, be funny, and then number two is be nice. And oh, I thought you were so going to so say much. to step on
2: people. <laughs> oh, if you're right. going to do the step on people, combine it with serious stick to itiveness. Yeah. And then you're going to yes, go places,
0: yes. kids.
3: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it does make a difference, especially when you're at the level where we are kind of booking each other right now. Like, being an asshole doesn't behoove you at all. Like, if you are not kind and caring for, like, the other... Like, you're not gonna... You can be funny as hell, but, like, people aren't really gonna be chomping at the bit to, like...
1: Book you yeah if
3: they don't if they don't want to be around you so there's something to that and like it, it there is like a certain thing that happens in stand-up because it is at the end of the day like a solo thing where you kind of you feel isolated and like you're only looking out for yourself so if you can like take a step back and be like hey it's cool that we're all doing this and we've created this community and like let's raise each other up that's dope
2: yeah so are you going are you up on stage somewhere like Almost every night, or like most nights, or what's the schedule look like? I, not, not
3: like I'm not booked on like a show every night, but I'm getting up every night, um, at least like a mic and stuff. But um, that's like one of the main reasons that I'm still working at because I work at Caroline's as a server. I don't know if I was doing that yet when we talked last. You weren't. Uh, oh I don't yeah, think so, so I work there no, as a server now, know. which is oh. fun because it reminds them that I exist. Like I can send them an email about booking, and then like they may forget, but they're going to see my face the next day and then remember, which is nice. Um, and also, like, if a comic's running later doesn't show up, like, I, they toss me on stage to fill out the time. So you're getting, like, extra spots that way, too, which is nice. And it's Caroline's, which is, like, was my dream stage when I moved here, you know? So, like, getting a tape from there is great, and getting to be in a room with people that actually know comedy is happening is great, uh, how and is their it? sound system.
2: How yeah. is it seeing, but, like, the big acts and whatnot? Like, what's that like, being someone It's great.
3: That... I'm so excited, uh, they just, like, added a Bill Burr show tomorrow night. Oh, fuck um, you! <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, I know. And it's gonna be the best night, because it's also my friend Sally Ann's, it's her breakout artist, um, series, so they'll do these shows called Breakout Series, where they'll, like, pick a comic that's kind of up and coming and give them a headlining spot, so she's gonna be headlining the first show, and then the second show is gonna be Bill Burr, and so it's gonna be a frickin' great night to work there, um, And that's, so that's awesome. But you also have the thing happen where it's people that come through and it's frustrating that they got a headlining spot. Like, you know, someone that has a podcast about being, about relationships or something. And then like,
0: they put the seat, they put the asses in the seats.
3: Yeah, absolutely. They sell out and we run out of Pinot Grigio and uh, that's the evening. So that can be kind of depressing because obviously you want more than anything to be up there and this person isn't even doing stand up and they're up there, so. Uh, but it's also a good lesson
0: learned in, in promotion too. So. So you, are, you gonna gonna great get, great are you gonna get are you gonna get Bill Burr on the show for us?
3: Yes. Yeah. I'll talk to I'll talk to. Bill. You're gonna talk
0: to Billy. All right. Perfect. Yeah. I'll talk to him when I see him. Thank you. I just
2: you uh, just painted a picture for me. I just saw you like with the tray. Show us the picture. I just saw a picture of you with the tray, <laughs> like walking up to table ten and just like hating. Whoever it is, the lowly undeserving person and just having you yeah, you fucking hack. Bullshit. I should be up there. <laughs> yeah, I always I always thought that comedy
0: clubs didn't hire like the a lot of staff that wanted to be on stage.
3: A, a lot of clubs do have that rule. But Caroline's is different and I don't know why or if it's just a business model that they've always had, but like every almost everyone that works there is a performer of some kind. Um, like we have, I have, I work with several opera singers, uh, multiple musical theater people, dancers, actors a lot. Um, that's, uh, that's world, good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want well, the people that work there to be like really actors? Aspiring? Yeah. Ex-
3: yeah. Well, or, because, or, because they then leave for six months when they get a show, you know, but we have enough people rotating in and out that that works for them. So yeah, it's great. It's awesome that they let us do
0: that. That is really cool. And I think it's it's good. Yeah, I think in, like, maybe some place out in, in, the like, Kentucky, that might be a thing. Just because the guy's always going to be thinking about getting on stage, and it's only a matter of time before he dips out to, like, to, to move to New York. But they're on, you're on, you're in Times Square, and it's, like, yeah. you want people who are going to be on, who are going to be able to perform, and who have, like, that, th- who are better at talking to people and yeah, that's a pretty like good no, way to vet, is being like... No, yeah, yeah, no one that, like, lives in New York would actively make an
3: effort to be in Times Square if it wasn't for their career. So, like, that's the only <laughs> way to get them to hide. Like, to, like, no New Yorker's gonna be like, perfect, I'll commute to Times Square. Yeah, I
0: love it. My favorite place in New York City. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It has to be Times Square. I
2: swear to God. Yeah. Every time I see a crowd at Times Square, like, say, it's for the Thanksgiving Parade, or the only thing, the first thing and the only thing I think of is, there's, like, a million people on that street. Where does everyone piss? And how is that not the most important thing to all of them? Just um, right there. I worked,
3: I Just worked right New, there. <laughs> Year's Eve, New Year's Eve at Caroline's, which is right in the center of Times Square, right next to where the ball drops. And it is a sweet, sweet taste of the post-apocalyptic world we're about to live in. <laughs> like, it is
0: Nightmare City, USA. It's so bad. Uh, Do you remember that time when the- you and I went to go watch the Christmas tree get lit? Yeah. <laughs> That was like it was pretty hellacious. It's like you're not even walking; you're being carried by the shoulders of people next to you because they're so close to you that you're, they're just like everyone's just flowing you. like a river, and we don't yeah, know how it works. Yeah. It's
3: it's it's horrible, and I keep getting jobs where I work in goddamn Times Square. Like I worked at Colbert, which was in Midtown. I worked at Letterman, which was in Midtown. Like I I I'm doing it to myself. I don't know how, but I am.
0: You're a Midtown gal.
3: Yeah, that's me. I just love that Olive Garden. It's so
0: good. I know, it's it's the best. Have you been to this a really good Italian restaurant in Times Square?
3: <laughs>
0: take people to fucking uh, Olive Garden. Go to New York City and take somebody I to do Olive do Garden. I did do that
3: to my roommate when he first moved here. He had like just gotten in and he had a suitcase and I was getting off work and I was like, okay you just got here like before we go back to the apartment like I want to take you to my favorite restaurant like just to give you like a taste of like New York and like have a good first meal like it'll be on me and I had him meet me there
0: and it was Hooters and it was the best thing I've ever done in my life that's the <laughs> best place in the town man and I was like you're gonna love the
3: yeah fried pickles here they're to die for they're to die
0: for <laughs> best place places that's brilliant um so and how long how long have you been working at Caroline's now
3: Oh god. Well, I was working there as like a, at the host stand for a while. So, probably almost 2 years now. 2 years, maybe a little bit more. How did you yet. get how did you get in there? Um, one of my one of my closest friends who actually got me the job at um uh at Caroline's was someone that I worked with at Letterman before. And so, after he left, he was working at Caroline's. He let me know that they were looking for
0: hosts and like, yeah, got me in there, which was cool it's all about who you know kid yeah he's the one that
3: i did the uh, the west coast tour with
0: fuck yeah yeah good fuck. dude that is great that's great that is and um it is really good to hear that you are still doing that you're in this time now of doing it where like fucking anything can happen like, kind of yeah fucking anything can happen you know and
3: it's that it's that time where like you you're starting to get opportunities and none of them have come through yet, but it's still exciting like that you're even getting these like interviews and calls and stuff.
2: That you know that, what I mean. I have no idea. It's like it's <laughs> like the exact opposite for me though. You it's know, because like opposite. I used to wake up thinking anything could happen and just I had the world by the balls, and now with this Me Too bullshit, it's like <laughs> it fucking sucks. I have it well, by you your non-binary. You Grab the world's balls. <laughs> Did Who you said ask? the word had world
0: had balls? <laughs> what doesn't have balls? That is,
2: uh, uh,
0: um, but yeah, it's it's really I uh, uh, and I'm glad that we got in on the bottom floor. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, now I'm just like in like the sub basement or whatever. It's just above that.
0: In the sub basement, and when you're flying high, uh then you you have you still have to you still have to come back on on the show and you still have to come talk to
3: When him. I'm really famous I'm going to like have my assistant come on and I'll like have pre-written
0: a note. Yeah, you could just text your assistant and then he'll read your text.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Amanda really wishes she could be
2: here. Uh... I mean, I'm here like all kinds of steps though, like, you know, even just applying for just for laughs. I know you're saying anyone can do it, but Who's gonna sit there and spend the hours poring over it? That, yeah. Amanda someone. Hurley. Exactly. Well, who's you got? You just did a. You're, you're jokingly using the word tour, but I mean, fuck. What is a tour? It's multiple shows. You did multiple shows in the East Coast, multiple shows in the West Coast. You weren't gonna do that three years ago, That's true. two years That's ago, very five. Yeah, fuck yeah. No, this is awesome. I can't even believe that. I, I didn't expect there'd be all this extra. What are you talking about? You didn't <laughs> expect? It's been three years. Of course, she's out there, fucking feet on the street, pounding the pavement, bro. You don't get it. What if I was just like, well, yeah, hey,
3: guys, um, I'm, I'm working in HR right now at a paper company. It's super great. Super great people. Uh, just, like, wasn't doing it
0: anymore. Which, yeah, if I quit, can we still do another one where I'm just, like, talking about my really boring yeah. job? job? I think either Perfect. either path or either end is still good for us. <laughs> it's, still, <laughs> okay. it's still funny. It's still going to be a good end for us because uh, I think people are really going to like hearing – where you go, and following along. And then I also think that people uh, would think it's really funny if you do. <laughs> yeah, so. it'll, either be, it'll either be like a car wreck or an air show, depending on where I'm at. But
2: Both things you want to see. Both <laughs> things you want <laughs> to watch. Right. Wait, wait, so now you just brought up a question. So how many people, I mean, you must know a bunch of people that have been in the show for years, you know, like doing what you're doing, scrapping it out, trying to find ways mm-hmm. to get on stage... Like, have you seen some people that just ran out of steam that you just didn't think would, you know, people that have maybe done five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years that are now they're not, you know, staying with it. They're HR at some place for or. For
3: sure, but it's more so like people that I started with in, uh, back home. That when I come back, I, I, you know, I see their name, their face on like a real estate sign or something like that. Instead, I feel like for the most part, if you come to new york you either keep doing comedy or you leave new york and i wouldn't you know what i mean like there's no you don't
2: come here and then switch to uh something that you could have done back home you well know? so have you seen that like you know your friend carrie that was on stage a million times with you at different places and now she moved back to milwaukee or
3: god i mean there's gotta be but i really can't think of anyone and part of that is because there's just so many people in the scene that like if someone blips out and you
2: haven't seen them for a couple of weeks you kind of just like forget or or it's like I love I that tunnel vision yeah. you like you're not here you're fucking dead don't to it. me you're dead to me not step right over people forget like a, people forget not in a judgmental way just in it because we're also focused on ourselves
0: that if i like if we're not seeing someone regularly if they don't become a part of your your just one less asshole i got to fucking worry
2: about yeah but there's always <laughs> three more right behind him. Edgardo died Who's got a set? What I can get over there? Get over. got that? Did, did someone pick up that spot?
0: <laughs> we should make a a movie like that. It's just like all it completely exaggerates the cutthroatness of. Uh, w- oh God!
3: There was a really funny short film or like a sketch that I saw recently that was like that kind of where it was a bunch of comics. Uh, kind of being shitty to each other and then they find out that there's a serial killer there that's like killing <laughs> all the stand-up comics in order of how funny they are. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes them being like, well, that's I should get problem. killed next. Are you kidding? You can't get killed next. You've been doing that <laughs> for five years, you know? <laughs> and then they get really pissed off when someone gets killed before. The- it's really funny. Fucking uh, Scott.
0: It's like, it's, Scott got killed. That's really funny. Yeah, right? Yeah. Are you kidding, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> He does
2: magic comedy, yeah. <laughs> You're worse than magic comedy. Wait, what is mm-hmm. it? Is that something I can find? That yeah, actually, can we watch that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm
3: blanking now on what it was called, but um, let me see if I can pull it up without stopping the conversation. But yeah, it was super funny. It came out fairly recently, uh, and it was another comic that wrote it. Um And it's okay. it was just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll,
0: yeah no, I'll no, like you, you can take your time to look for it. I'm saying it's okay that uh, if the conversation slows down, we can always... I'm going to edit the... the um, Cut this kind of stuff out. We've started yeah,
2: editing in the last three
0: years. Piss breaks. Yeah. It used to be just like... Apparently, there was some loud commotion on the last one. On like the first one, I guess. Uh, just all kinds of stuff that we just don't... The, the show has changed names like twice now. And it's not even called the same thing. No, wait. The best
2: thing though, Amanda, on the first interview that we did we're in it for about 20 minutes and you ask isaiah a question what do you think about that isaiah hello and he's gone for like 90 seconds no edit either by the way he literally (laughs) is gone for 90 seconds we're trying to fill it then he comes back all rushing out of breath he's like oh hey no guys go ahead and then not even 10 minutes later he did edit out this it must have been a crash or something because both you and i are like holy shit isaiah are you okay (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, "Just go ahead, keep going. Everything's fine." <laughs> That's so good.
0: <laughs> oh. <It was> <coughs> I have no recollection. I have, uh, yeah. I have no idea what could have been happening, and I'm, I've, I refuse to listen to it. Uh, to, to, ever, to ever learn what happened or yeah,
2: now we just, what the mistake was? We yes. have a pre-show ritual, I say. Take that peyote after we're done. After Not we're done before. is the
0: key word, is after we're done. I, gotta... I would say like 30 minutes in is
2: the sweet spot. <laughs>
0: See, Greg? I, what have I been telling you?
2: 30 minutes in. So you work at Caroline's. You're on stage all the time. Are there any non-comedy people, comedy-related people in Amanda's life at all? Like maybe just the guy that you talk to at the what do you call the little stores in New York, the bodega.
3: A bodega, bodega. or a deli. Yeah.
2: Even uh, he, even he gets some time. Did you did you yeah, talk you to right. them? Do I do. Oh any time? my god!
3: I just found out that my bodega guy has more Instagram followers than me, and it is <laughs> haunting me.
0: Hey, what is he? What kind of stuff does he post?
3: It's he does. They're like weird model pictures. It's just like him walking down the street in black and white and stuff. Okay. But like, what are they like? Really good. They're all right. He's like an attractive enough dude, uh, but like. we've just gotten chummy enough where we like exchanged information uh, and he has more Instagram followers than me but my pizza guy likes more of my posts so like
2: he's winning. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. That's 2019 right there. I like that you have a regular pizza guy.
3: Yeah, (laughs) of course I do. He hooks it up with some, uh, you know, free Celsius and stuff, but yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. Is there anything that you want to say? What about like, I'll be, uh, yeah, give us your all your Instagram, your Twitter, that kind of thing. For
3: sure. for sure. I'm um, across all social media. it's uh, Amanda June Moon. Uh, that's what all of that is. And I don't know if there's anyone that is in New York that's listening, but uh, my monthly show at Cobra Club is going to be on the 28th. That's the last Thursday of the month, 8 pm at Cobra Club. It's completely free uh and
2: it's gonna be a super rad lineup of people. And that's called We're Tired, right? That's We're a, tired. It's always yep. the last Thursday of the month.
3: Yep, exactly.
2: Nice. That is actually technically the most exhausting day of the month, so I think it fits that it's, it's called "We're Tired."
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much uh, we fall asleep at the end every time. No, uh, no, we don't, because it's too funny. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, no, it's a very fun show. That's like my my main push right now, because we've gotten a lot of like write ups for it and stuff. So we're hoping to get
2: like you know industry to come and all that stuff. Well, fuck it. You're not gonna. They're not gonna come from this fucking podcast. and tell you that. shit. <laughs> wait, wait. But you know what though? I did want to suggest two. I brought one up, but I, I wanted to suggest two podcasts to you. One is put your hands together. We were talking about it. it's, uh-huh. the, uh, it's the it's sh- the maybe you're like already like comedy out the ass and nonstop, but the they do have some bigger names on it once in a while. But for the most part, it's like traveling shows or like local LA people that I'd never heard of. You know, so they're. Right. I don't know. It's like that level of act that is still definitely working things out, but not, you know, able to coast on any type of cachet or anything. Right. So, oh, I like that. Yeah, it's I, I fucking love it. It's like an every week thing That's like it's been going on for like four or five years. I really like that. And another one I think you might like is uh, we were just talking about it on our show. So I know you heard it being a huge listener. Absolutely, uh-huh. guys. We, guys, we fucked. We fucked. You know this one? Yeah, I think you talked about that in episode. What was it? 70, 72? <laughs> no, I think you know what. What I liked about guys, I like it actually, and I feel like it would speak to women much more. It's two female. That's definitely, their fan
3: base. Yeah.
2: Definitely, and I think that uh, th- these women are super open about like their own lives, and it's it's not like raunchy for raunchy's sake. It's raunchy because it's like just real. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about what, it, you know, I I don't know. They had Fran Drescher on the other day. It's girls talk, oh, c- yeah. talking like guys and it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have listened to a couple of, I, I know
3: both of them. For, like, I know Corinne better than I know Christina, but they're both super nice. Definitely. And like, I've listened to a couple episodes, but I really need to get into there more because they have, they do have crazy good interviews. And uh and a lot of like the male comics I know go on too, which is fun. So yeah, it's a, they do a good job. They they tour with
2: that show like constantly now. Oh, That's do they? Really cool. Oh, well, yeah, I'm glad you had heard of both of them. I feel. The
3: what?
2: I'm glad that you have heard of both of them and that you're listening oh, because yeah, I, I thought yeah. they both Karen, would be good. For
3: Karen was on our show a couple months ago, and she's so funny.
2: That's awesome. They're huh? like that. Yeah. She's a she's a pretty big name, right? Like you said, they're traveling. Yeah, the-
3: yeah, 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 they definitely, like, they're definitely, uh, they have a huge fan base. They are being paid exclusively for comedy, and, like, like that, I think, is, like, a huge point for any comic, when you are able to just only have your art be what's supporting you, um, and they're, like, in high demand. Like, I have. I don't think I've seen them post about a show that hasn't sold out in, for, 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 like, a very long time, which and is you just, had, like, crazy impressive.
2: And you had Corinne on your We're Tired show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking awesome. Like, listen to the yep. markers here. This we gotta have her on in like six months because I think in a year, yeah, right after she's Bill, she's not even gonna, right gonna fucking on. return calls anymore. Right after Bill Burr, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. Well, fuck to the yeah. This Hell was yeah. fucking awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Miss Amanda Hurley. That's my name. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, everywhere at Amanda June Moon. And the last Thursday of the month is your We're Tired show. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. yeah. And where was that one again? Uh, it's at Cobra Club. It's in Bushwick. Sweet. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thank you guys. Cobra this is the fun. Bush. I always like doing this.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening, for joining along, for coming along, for cracking this road soda. Thank you. For being a part of episode 79. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe to us everywhere you listen to your podcasts. On Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Wherever you listen to them. Please uh, subscribe so you can catch a new road soda every Monday. Every Monday you can crack a road soda with Greg McInnes and Isaiah Cooper. And also, always feel free to write into to us. Our email is roadsodamail at gmail.com. Roadsodamail at gmail.com. We always do shout-outs and read all the mail, and we'd love to hear from you. So please do that, and we will catch you on the next episode. Have a great week, guys.